0: Hello friends. Oh man. Welcome to Off the Beaten Podcast. I am Dion. Um man. I don't even know what to say. I am um, things have been going great this week. I was in Louisville this past weekend. I was in Springfield Monday and Tuesday. I know a lot of people don't like Springfield, Illinois. I love it. I'm a former history teacher. It makes me geek out something awful. So I got a chance to Enjoy Springfield. I was actually down there for business. Um, I was there for a conference, but I got a chance to enjoy uh, the town and see some of the sites, um, you know, the Lincoln House and the National Historic Society, all the site and all those things. So it was really interesting. I've had a great week. I was back um, here in Chicago last night. Back to work today, Um, came home, did an interview with a dear friend of mine that you'll hear in a future episode and, you know, and then uh, chopping this up to get this episode out this week. So uh, this episode is a day late. I do apologize, but uh, things have been flying. I've actually been working for a change. (laughs) I was telling my friends, I'm like, "I I don't really have a job, but I've actually been working. Doing the real thing, doing the tough things. And uh, yeah, so it's been good. Super excited. So this week, man, um, <clears throat> when I made a short list of people I wanted to have on the podcast, um, this was one of the people. I think the, the, my initial list, I think, had had like six or seven people. And this was one of them. Um, we, we became friends back in, I believe, 2001, uh, maybe even 2002. Um He's an amazing person. He is a musician, a great thinker, uh, a great friend, um, someone I have immense respect for. And so we we got together. And as you can tell by the title, uh, this, this dude is a musician um, with a career um, that is just starting to explode. And I'm so happy for him. I couldn't be happier. I may be able actually a little happier if I was in his band, but can't have it all. But I'm working on my guitar playing. Uh, daily so you never know what might happen down the road but yes uh, so we we chop it up we talk about tons of things so uh, uh, any references so this uh, episode was actually recorded um, man maybe even two months ago now it's been quite a while been sitting on it for a while um, but finally I had the opportunity to get it out to you all and it's a great conversation. Um, and it's about, uh, a Chicago boy who is doing great for himself and has, uh, a bright future ahead of him, even at this point. And, um, you know, it's just, I love seeing great people do great things, live to their full potential and he's doing that. And so it was great to sit and conversate with him. We 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 chopped it up. And so, you know, the, the conversation goes over Chicago, goes over his musical career. We talk about um, the 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 music industry legend, Phil Q, um, Bob Cottarella, We we just kind of bounce around everywhere. Lots of shout outs, lots of references. And so you'll hear all that. And um yes. So without further ado, this is my my dear friend, a Chicago musician um Lance Ayers And we are recording all right, All yes. Right. So, um, Mr. Untouchable, <laughs> been trying to get you, like, for for a couple weeks now. Yeah, and sorry about that. Then t- t- four hours ago, we were supposed to get together.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, man. It it's, uh, didn't pan out. It, yeah, it didn't pan out. But, you know, like I said, you know, prior to getting here, it's, you know, I had it's some family issues that I'm trying to, you know, th- deal with right now. I have a, a, um, a sick stepdad who... Uh, he had a stroke um, earlier. Well, yeah, it was earlier this year, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a really bad scare. And his health is slowly declining. Yeah. Um, and he, he caught a case of pneumonia, and you know it's it, they had to we had to get him over to Mercy Hospital for a biopsy. The pneumonia's cleared up, I'm feeling a little bit better now, but it's kinda one of those things where, you know, this dude bought me my first skateboard, my first bicycle, my first car. I just feel obligated to be there for him, you know what I'm saying? I'm sorry and, to hear about you know. that. I mean, I mean I mean I love him too. Don't give me he's my season stepdad. But I mean, you know, it's it's kinda one of those things where, you know, I just want to be there for him as much as I can. Absolutely. So yeah. I, I apologize. And no
0: nothing to apologize for and my heart my my, my, my uh, well wishes go out to him. Where and the way I'm sure the listeners, uh, the dear friends who are listening now, will say the same. So, wishing what's him, up, listeners? Uh, <laughs> as, as, you know, as best recovery as he can make. Um, so, should I introduce you? Or do you want to introduce yourself? Um, so, so, yeah, you, you're the host. So, so do the intro. So, Mr. Lance Ayers, that's correct. Uh, what,
1: what's the resume here? Jeez. Um, <laughs> um, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it depends on how far you want to turn back. You want
0: musician, come. songwriter, lead singer, Check. right? Right?
1: Guitar
0: virtuoso. Is that? Uh, is uh, that right?
1: I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll take that. I'll take, I'll take it. it. That's what they Piano tell so, wizard. Yeah, I have. Uh, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm a songwriter, producer, musician, um, studio engineer. Um, I have a degree in piano um, from our beloved St. Xavier University. That's right. That's where we, we yeah, That's both, right.
0: both of us have degrees from that joint. That's I right. I love St. Xavier. Shout out to St. Xavier. Shout out, SXU. All right. Uh, okay, so let's go back, though. Let's go back before that.
1: Way before that. So you are from Chicago. I am from Chicago originally. Born and raised. Born and raised. All right. What neighborhood? Uh, South Side, 51st of May. Shout out to the South Side. I um, <laughs> My uh my grandma and grand my granddad both lived around uh, 51st and May Street, and that was our, our block for many many years. Before that, it was like 70th and Emerald, and wow. uh, yeah. So th- that I, mostly I grew up right around that block, that big chunk. And you know, my mom was a single mom working for me and my bro bro. So we spent a lot of time after school just hanging out with my grandparents until my mom got off work and then she'd pick us up and she'd take us home and um we lived um at a couple of different spots but uh when I was super young like four I'm gonna I'm gonna go on and say like three or four all the way up to like six we lived on um 70th and Marchfield and then right around right after that like seven eighth. We moved way out south to the what they call the Wild 100s. The Wild 100s. Yeah, I lived in uh, I lived in London Town houses for a while. Um, when I, I went all through my seventh and eighth grade, all through high school, and all through college, that's where I lived. All right, where'd you go to high school? Oh, where'd you go to high school? I went to Luther South. It no longer exists. Damn it! Really? Can I not curse? No, nah, can, can f- fuck them all. all right. <laughs> But they can't take a joke. Yeah, man. No, you know, Loot the South. Um, It was an interesting uh, academic journey. Uh, I learned a lot about myself um, and my interests as a musician. And, um, you know, when you're young like that, you can't help but compete. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's funny, uh, this is just a little side note. Um, Recently, I've I've sort of reacquainted myself with um, an old high school buddy of mine, LaShawn Watkins, who probably unbeknownst to him was, uh, in my mind back then, one of my biggest rivals. (laughs) Like, I literally keep... I mean, the dude was the man. I give him all the props. He, like, he played piano, like, uh, you know, uh, no blasphemy intended, but, like, a total God all the girls loved him. His hair was perfect. His skin was perfect. <laughs> you know, it was kind of one of those things where I was like, fuck this dude so always much, always one of those man.
0: dudes. Pretty Ricky motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly.
1: Pretty Ricky motherfucker. <laughs> you know, so I, I I spent a lot of my high school career um, comparing myself to guys like him. And I would go home and write and write and write and practice and practice and practice. And I never told anyone in high school... I. Honestly, I think like maybe all of six people knew that I played more than alto and baritone saxophone because I was in the band. I was in the marching band. Everybody in the school thought I was just a saxophone player. Yeah. Nobody knew that I played piano, guitar, all these other instruments. And it wasn't until college where like... You know, you go to college and nobody knows who you are, and then you sit down with an acoustic guitar, and then a girl sits next to you, and then you go, "Oh, oh, oh shit!
0: Oh wait, is
1: this what it's like? It is, was this what it was like for LaShawn Watkins?" <laughs> okay, I get it now. Oh you know? shit! Yeah, so it was. It was. Yeah, high school was an interesting time uh, for me. So, uh, why 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 was that? Was it just because he did those things and you didn't want? Well it, it's it was it's layered. Okay, so there's the there's the the shallow aspect of that I just described because I mean that's just really just vapid. Which the, hey hey it is real. But right, but I mean, you know, I was a kid. What well, do you know, I was freaking 15, you know, whatever. But then also there was um the the, the growing up in Chicago, there was a lot back then um, Kids fought with mm-hmm. their fists, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not saying that you or I are old, but this current generation—they're uh, a bunch of bitch-ass cowards. You know. Fair. I, enough. I mean, I, with all due respect to the current generation, you're a bunch of bitch-ass cowards. Fair enough. Um, yeah. And instead yes. of instead of fighting if in like if you if you if you absolutely must deal with your grievances in a barbaric way do it like a man break out the fucking fisticuffs and go at it instead nowadays these people shoot shoot sh- you kill each other and babies die and and all this stuff but back then there was a lot of just fistfights you know and i spent a lot of time um there was one story um where uh this is i'm almost ashamed to say this but it, it's a true story Um, I was on the bus and I was headed um, east back to um, the red line and uh, a fight broke out on the bus and the fight got so bad that I had to literally, fortunately I was, I'm I'm not that size now, but back then I was a very, very small kid. I had to jump out of the window. Oh. literally jumped out of the window of a moving bus. I have seen that actually. Yeah. I've seen that happen. Yeah. yeah. So I know that's real. Yeah.
0: I think anybody, well you know not everybody people from 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 the south side because back I feel like when we were young the hundreds were like how people talk about like you hear Inglewood refer to a right. lot, Austin as being like you know just a lot of, of violence. I feel yeah. like the hundreds were like that Back then, right, right. where like you're like, oh shit, yeah, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> right. I <laughs> grew up in Roseland, and yeah, and I was like, I remember you know seeing that as a kid, like <laughs> like yeah. bailing out the bus, like yo, they about to get it in all here. Right. I got to get out, right. Bus driver won't open the doors. That's <laughs> <laughs> <was>
1: always so fuck <laughs> Old disgruntled ass <descriptive-ass> bus driver, <laughs> just just let them work it out. They gonna work it out. Like, like, what the hell? Fuck this. Yeah, no. Uh, I'm trying to think the I'm trying to think if I've
0: ever been. In I'm sure I have, but I've never. I, I was a fat kid. <laughs> so yeah. I, I just had to grin a bear. <laughs> Come on under the seats. I was oh, a kid. Man. I was
1: jumping out of nothing. <laughs> but I mean that 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 dynamic leads me to my next point, which was I was an unusually small kid. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean I. I I'm so ill-prepared for this interview, I, I kind of wanted to bring my um, my high school yearbook so that you could see how serious I am <laughs> when I say that I was unusually small yeah. For my, through my high school years. I looked like I was in grammar school, freshman, uh, sophomore, yeah. junior, and senior year. All of those years, I was like, this is not a high school, high school kid. kid. So I was very small, and I was able to like squeeze through cracks and crevices and get away from people very but but it also made me um very nimble musician early yeah. on i was able to uh learn stuff on the piano that you know a lot of a lot of kids weren't uh capable of doing because my fingers were faster so i was able to do really cool classical runs and stuff like that and, right. and i won a few awards and stuff growing up so that was cool right. you know there's there's pros and cons to the high school life but there were a lot of cons, you know, which, which made it interesting. Of course. You know? um, and then there was the, um, the student-teacher dynamic, yeah. which was also, um, how do I put this? You had, you, you had teachers there that genuinely cared. Oh, for right? sure. Right? That, that genuinely cared about you and wanted to see you succeed and stuff like that. And then there were teachers that were just cash and jacks. Oh, for sure. No and, different today. Right. And I, I I, aspired for more than just being a musician when I was a kid. I also wanted to be a comic book artist. Yeah. And I was really good. Yeah. Um, and I had um, uh, his name, I, th- I believe his name was, I think his last name was Art. Mr. Art, or maybe his first name was Art, or something like that, which I thought was terribly to it or whatever. But um, <laughs> he told me that I don't have a future in art at all. He said I don't have the talent, and I don't have a future in this, and I should consider doing something else. And it was the first time that you know I had actually see received genuine um, seething. Yeah. Hatred from yeah. somebody about something, you know, and like he really genuinely didn't like me and it kind of it it it, it was hurtful, yes uh, but it was also like confusing in the sense that I had absolutely I was a nice kid I, mm-hmm. you know i was I didn't argue I didn't raise my voice at teachers and stuff like that I didn't talk back i was I was wondering like why was this dude so mean to me and then and then you know as you get older, and you start you continue reading graphic novels and comic books and you see the, and you're like, I really wish I hadn't listened to that guy, cause this shit sucks. <laughs> I, I can see, do this, I could do this. I these do guys this. that are getting these graphic novels and they're getting these comic books, they are some of these guys are suck. Yeah. You know, like just I mean, it, even the cartoons nowadays, you know, the cartoons are drawn so poorly, you yeah. know. And I'm like, man, I was actually pretty good. I could have been good at that, you know. Yeah. So there was so I mean I'm not trying to say that my experience was unique in any way, shape, or form. I, you know, I was bullied. I, oh my God, don't even let me get into the stories about being bullied. I could, I could go on for an hour. I'm about sure we that. both could. But, uh, but you know, I, 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 had a pretty normal high school upbringing. Yeah. And, uh, but it was for me, it was interesting because. Um, I did. it was an aspect of my youth that I didn't really share with my mom because my mom was um, an alpha lioness Yeah. and she had this um, uh, unique ability to embarrass me in my defense if that makes any sense okay. she would defend me and it was Extremely embarrassing. Oh, for sure. They're like, I'm, do you have any idea? Like, blah blah blah, that kind of stuff. You know? My baby. Yeah, you're not gonna talk to my man. I was just like, oh my. You're just like, you just know, calm so, down. Calm down. You know. So I, I, like, she, she went to her grave, never knowing that I had to jump out of a. The CTA bus, of course, avoiding a fight. I would uh, never tell her, of course, she would have lost her, shit, yeah. You know? she would have caught CTA, yeah, called school, she would have been out there. Oh my god, she went out of the bus like if
0: anybody was straight
1: up, dude, somebody, baby. <laughs> somebody would have got stabbed or something, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. So, um, I don't know if I've ever, what did your mom do? My mom worked for, um the state of Illinois she was um, I don't know the official title but the best way I could describe it was she was a caseworker for those young girls that had children and the father was not coming through oh, on so, their end yeah. I don't know what the proper terminology um that is. I'm not I guess a, I guess a, a, a caseworker social worker yeah somewhere mm-hmm. so she you know she kind of, she would go around and talk to the moms and and get information about um, the, the, the each individual situation and report back and you know and I'm not saying that she was like you know a deadbeat dad hunter but my mom was a deadbeat dad hunter. <laughs> there we go, you know? um, there he is. Yeah, I, and I, and you know I mean kind of hits home a little bit. Not that not to say that my brother and my my dad. And, or dad beat But Um They just weren't there Yeah You know Yeah, 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 yeah. I can understand it. Yeah I feel you Alright
0: Um And you lost her fairly Early in life
1: Yeah Yeah 19 years ago now wow. Um Yeah It's uh It's weird Um The thing about Losing a parent When you're younger Yeah is that you? You go through these, these. Um, well, I You know, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna generalize like that. I, I'm gonna speak for myself. I went through these phases. Okay. And um, the, obviously, the first phase was uh, this. This just endless pain and grieving and sorrow and and feeling sorry for yourself and feeling sorry for your mom and feeling just just completely empty and then the second phase that you go through um is uh, kill them all fuck them all yeah. fuck it and that that is a particular point in my life in which because prior to my mom's death i was um in multiple bands i was the leader of multiple bands Red me trio and for, well first initially i was a solo artist then read me trio with my cousin uh coco rest in peace coco yeah and uh bass player um uh I can't i remember his name uh, it was a while back where at sxu and then then the bow boys and then my mom died and then the bow boys just didn't feel right anymore yeah i was making i was making happy music and i wasn't happy so i it felt it didn't feel genuine anymore yeah to write songs like that because that's that wasn't the place that I was in so I decided all the songs that I were I I began to write after my mom's death had this um, fuck em all undertone to yeah it. like yeah. this really sort of like um, power fight the power kind of Absolutely. and again like it, I, I listened to Public Enemy I listened to Rage. I listened to, you know, all of these bands that, you know, that were just, that had a message Mm -hmm. that had a real message, a substantive message, but it never really made sense until my mom passed away because then there was something about losing my mom that, um, the bubble burst Yeah, and all of a sudden I'm walking around and I'm. I'm recognizing everything. I'm yes. seeing everything. Everything makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, makes sense in the sense that there's a lot of evil in the world mm-hmm. that my mom protected me from that I wasn't aware of, aware of. You know. And so um I started ODM. And then um, you know, it was it was weird because um a lot of the the band members from uh, the Bo Boys were not happy about my decision, um, to say the least. A lot of them were uh, confused and upset, and uh, but it was my music and my journey, and I at the time I just felt like it was the right thing to do, and I I didn't feel like I needed to explain myself. Um, I'm not uh, I'm not at a place in my life where I feel comfortable like. You know, bad mouthing people or anything like that. Uh, I'm just going to say that um, it wasn't amicable. Yeah, yeah. And and it not always right. It not always. And then when I formed ODM, ODM, you know, there's some band members that came along um, because they had multiple skills. Yeah. You know, um, one one person in particular that um, name will go on mentioned but you know who I'm talking about Fair enough. she was uh she was um, a multi-instrumentalist mm-hmm. and uh, she was a good friend and um, she was a shoe- in for the next band it totally made sense and I built the whole the new band around what I was doing mentally at the time which was um, you know I just became you know I was writing songs like um, um well, at the time it was called Conspiracy 2, but now it's, it was reworked as God Bless America. And, uh, and, you know, it's funny because these bands, there's a transition period with mm-hmm. all of them, you know? Um, I'm writing songs for what I didn't realize would be ODM Back when the Bow Boys were alive. And then I killed the Bow Boys. And then I'm writing songs for... And then ODM transfers into ODM Nation. So let,
0: and, let's go back for a minute. Okay. Because I'm familiar with some of your musical background. Okay. Let's... So, let me ask this question first. How did you get into music? Oh. This is a, like, how did question. that happen? Okay. Okay. So... <clears throat> uh...
1: How old were you? Four. Okay. There was a Young Performers and Composers competition or whatever it was on WG and Channel 9. And they used to show these kids, these extraordinarily talented kids performing. Mm -hmm. And my mom because of Mr. Rogers, rest in peace, R.I.P. Mr. Rogers. Tom Hanks gonna knock that shit off the park. Oh yeah, he is. Um, <laughs> because of Mr. Rogers, because of Sesame Street, because of all that shit, that channel stayed on lock all the time in my house. And um, they used to show these. And one day, it came on, and I believe it was a Saturday. Uh, I could I could still hear my mom washing the dishes in the kitchen, and there's this young I want to say Japanese young lady and she is just fucking killing it dude Like, oh, oh, up and down yeah. the keyboard and she's a fucking kid she couldn't have been no more than like 11 the, oh, yeah. 10, 11 years old yeah. and I see this and uh, I don't know the, 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 only, the only details that I have about this occurrence is what my mom used to tell me repeatedly over and over and over mm-hmm. again but the only part about it that I remember is running into the kitchen and pulling my mom in to see it. Yeah. Like I wanted her to see that. And um, she she was very, um, when it came to Ryan and I, she was very intuitive. She just, man, that woman really cared about her her boys, man. And she saw that interest. And she saw how unique that was. And she saw how special that was. And um she said okay okay um she said she told me that you said i want to do that and you kept pointing to the tv i want to do that yeah you know and um i was fortunate enough this is some this is some hardcore sort of serendipitous the universe loves loves you kind of stuff right Mm -hmm. there was a piano store literally across so if my building's here the main street is here. Right. The piano store is like right there. Okay, right you across know? the street. Yeah. So my mom went across the street to the piano store um, and introduced herself to the owner. It's really like, I thought she was mean. But then again, when you're a kid, you see some lady frowning <laughs> and you think she's mean. Everybody's I'm mean. sure she was a really nice lady, but... Uh, she introduced herself to this lady and she asked the, you know she she started shopping for pianos for me and um, she worked out a deal with the owner monthly payments for a uh, an organ a piano and piano lessons monthly payments so i had I still have the organ oh wow i ended up I ended up getting a new piano okay. later but um, It's crazy So I At like Almost five I had an organ In my house Banging away at it You know Just banging away Banging away That had to have been and god awful Yeah it was The worst <laughs> That's it got awful. Shit. That had to have been god awful Shit Oh happen. my god I'm sorry But that okay, like kid, I have, Kids learning anything yes. Like I hate this I hate life I hate you <laughs> Yeah Oh my god I can't You know Cause I have I have a student now My um um, one of my friends who owns Phonology rehearsal space. What's up, Joel? Mm, um, mm. I give his kid. I see Joel everywhere too. Yeah, I, I never him. say hello
0: because yeah. he won't remember me. Because <laughs> he's such a recognizable person. Yeah, and I no, sit no, at gas stations all the time. I'm like, oh, there's Joel. Yeah. <laughs> he's the creeper. There's <laughs> <no. laughs> Joel. <laughs> He'll
1: probably pull out a pipe. Okay. <laughs> he, no, our ongoing, joke is, our, ongoing, our ongoing joke is that he has a musket. He literally owns a musket. Not joking. He will shoot you with his musket. Say, you know, i was to rob him? Oh my him. god! How you know my name? <laughs> Beat the shit out of me. I'm I was like, yo, I was trying to say hi. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, I give his kid piano lessons, and oh, beautiful. it's it's kind of um, it's weird because every time I see his kid doing something on the piano. It reminds me of that point in my life um i was i was a lot more focused though i was really 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 fucking into music yeah. uh which was um i'd like to say unique at four years old almost five and then i just i just sort of never looked back so i went from it was a few years of that and uh during the summer months um my mom there was uh Sherman Park, not too far from my grandparents' house. I remember where Sherman is, yeah. They had piano lessons oh, in yeah. the main building. So mm-hmm. my mom, so I was getting two piano teachers during the summer. Oh, nice. And then um, I got a job right before, it was like my, I want to say my senior year of high school. No, it was right prior to my senior year of high school. I got a job downtown and I came across Mrs. Chandler. Shout out to Mrs. Chandler. She got me into college. Um, And so I had three piano teachers at that point. Mrs. Chandler, yeah. Mrs. Chandler was, um, she was very serious with the gospel background. And I told her, I want to get into college. And she said, okay, well, then you're going to need to learn classical music. Have you ever played classical music before? And I was like, "Uh, no. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: And uh, prior to that point, I had only played gospel, popular music, Blues, whatever I can get my hands on, um, mostly prints, but uh, whatever I can get my hands on. um, And uh, she she was like, No, you're going to have to learn classical music. And so she taught me a number of different pieces to get into school. uh, But the one piece that got me uh, my scholarship was uh, Chopin's Military Polonaise. I'll never forget it. And oh it was so hard oh my god classical music was so hard for all those years of piano lessons you think you're getting good and then and then Mm. somebody throws a piece of class and it was like it was literally like somebody took a piece of paper dipped a stick into some ink and flicked black ink onto the page that's what it it was so many notes clustered together and um mrs chandler uh bless her heart she said this is what we're gonna do you're going to learn one to four measures per week yeah and you're gonna get them perfect and basically, that's what I did. I took, I went home and I did, If I couldn't get four measures, I got three. If I couldn't get three, I got two. And we would work on it. And we'd go in there. And she said, she taught me that it was my first real lesson in interpretation. And it prepped me oh, for yeah. Dr. Bickle and Professor Morris and Dr. Coots and all those guys at St. Xavier who... Are some they are some serious studs. fucking professors. Yeah, you know they are they do yeah. not play. You know, yeah. um, so interpretation was very important, and uh, you know, uh, but all of that being said, um, I still hadn't found my voice until college. I didn't even really know I could sing yeah. until college. Yeah, you know, interesting. Yeah,
0: so so you start singing in college. Uh-huh.
1: Um, which is a whole nother story. <laughs>
0: yeah, it really is. So, so, so we because it was interesting because you said the guy told you
1: you'd have no future in art.
0: Mm-hmm. Weren't you told the same thing about your vocals in
1: college? Okay, <laughs> it's actually it's it's the antithesis of that. Oh, um, okay. Oh no, yeah. you're right. You're right. Yeah, okay, yeah. right. Okay, okay. So, Marlon Sanford, shout out to Marlon. What's up, dog? Um was teaching was in a vocal pedagogy course okay and he approached me and marlon had already introduced himself we had become friends he had taken me under his wing um, i was i was a new student at saint zaves and he was the resident badass you know um, it was it was the complete opposite of a LaShawn watkins situation where Whereas it was something to compare myself to in this situation, it was something like, "No, bro, I'll show you this. Come on, let's do." This. I was always afraid to even talk to Lashawn because yeah. he was so cool. Absolutely. But Marlon was as cool, if not more cool, but was like, "Come on in, uh, yeah, I'll show. You. Hey, man, let me uh, we'll show you this." <laughs> we'll you know? And I was like, "Ah, oh, man, this dude is so dope." You need those people. You need those people in your life. Yeah. So. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. So he asked me if I would be his vocal student um, for this vocal pedagogy course. And because I know how to read music, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, man. But I don't know if I know how to sing. I don't even know what my vocal range is. And um I did know, thanks to Dr. Coots, that I had perfect pitch, but I didn't know if I could sing, sing. Um, so the long and short of it is I start taking this course with Marlon. And Marlon is teaching me all these nuances. So Marlon basically gave me my first vocal lessons. Isn't that weird? I gotta, I gotta give him his props. He taught me how to sing technically, um, or introduce. He's like the Obi Wan Kenobi Absolutely. of singing, whereas Doctor Bickle is my Yoda. You know, um, so he gave me my first few um, vocal lessons, and then I went into uh, because you know in the class you have to. Eventually, you have to teach a lesson in front of the class. I've been there. So, he, <laughs> right, so he came in with me and he taught a lesson in front of the class and I sang. And then um, Dr. Bickle was basically like, What's your, I, I'm paraphrasing, of course, yeah. but she said, What's your, what's your minor? You, what, no, she asked me what, what was my major first and I said piano. And then she said, Well, what's your minor? And I said, Guitar. And then she said, No, what's your minor? And I was like guitar, and then it was one of those moments where like I, like I wasn't bright enough to catch what no she was trying ain't. to do, and, you know? <laughs> no, and, it ain't. And so uh, it was one of those situations. Like no, she basically was like, "No, you're changing it." And she, you know, she for sure like marched me down and helped me change my mind from guitar to voice. And she oh, took man. me under her wing and put me in all the all the the classes and. Um, yeah and i was in all the choirs and uh i was i became a uh, pretty pretty uh pretty good tenor because of dr bickle she was uh, she taught me everything from diaphragmatic costal breathing all the way down all Aye. shit that i ne- never like um singing in different languages except french. Fuck french. Fuck, french fuck french fuck french but uh but yeah no i found my voice in college thanks to marlon sanford and dr bickle and i think i've always hated singing yeah yeah I always hated singing. The thing about singing that I've learned particularly from Dr. Bickle is that if you can talk, you can sing. Yeah, sure. And I I meet so many people on a regular basis that say to me, like, oh my god, I couldn't sing if my life depended on it. And I I automatically say to them, if I pulled out a gun right now and put it to your head, you'd be singing like fucking (laughs) Pavarotti You ever see the (laughs) more? Super bad, yeah. Remember, he's like, This is Jimmy's brother. <laughs> he he's like, he's like, he's like, My cousin came all the way from Kenosha. You're gonna sing, it. you're gonna sing good. <laughs> and, then he said, and then he said, He said, He said, uh, uh, Oh my god, he said, uh, The hurting zombie, yeah. Then he said, Talk about the hurting. <laughs> It's oh, so never been to What's the other song he
0: sings? Oh my god. Uh, it's so messed up, dude. What's the other song he sings? It's so good. It's um, like, ah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I love you. And i never know And it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's
1: He doesn't remember it. And, and they're, they're all just like. <laughs> and they're just <laughs> grooming. <laughs> they're not. Uh, um, What's you? No, I don't know. the you broke it. You broke it. These eyes are crying. These eyes <laughs> are But They're never going to see another father to have with you. They're like, yeah. These and are all grooving along. Oh, Oh, my God. And then that guy breaks in and goes, Fight. And he's like, Thank God. Oh, my yes, God. Oh, man. That movie, dude. That's exactly it. Oh. <laughs> oh. You're gonna sing You're gonna, you're gonna sing, sing
0: good I was like I got into doing? So I started singing Cause of a girl
1: Oh well I mean yeah <laughs> and
0: It was I'll never forget this I was in the band room She sticks her head in Her name was Rose and I had the hugest crush on. Rose. And if Rose ever hears this, she'll be like, "What?" Because <laughs> never knew, right? Four years of high school had the hugest crush on Rose. Never said a word, right? Yeah. She came in. She stuck her head in the band room. Was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, and she was the stage manager for the musicals. I was like, nothing. She was like, "You know what? You should audition for the musical." And I was like, and I was playing the pit. So I'm like, no, right? But <laughs> and I was like. Why? She's like, you should do it for me. Oh, Done, shit. Deal. Oh, shit. Done deal. Oh Done deal.
1: It's just like super bad. Doug was like, I'll t- I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll get my ass beat for pussy. No questions asked. Done deal. <laughs> and it was like she was. She was like, you should do it for me. Done. I
0: was like, okay. It's like witness <laughs> the audition. She was like, fifteen minutes.
1: Bye. Holy shit. I was like, what? <laughs> my buddy dude she
0: with you yo my buddy Joe walks in he goes I heard you audition for the musical <laughs> how did the work get out of the <laughs> he literally like the door didn't even close it was just like you got it that's, so, heard you that's stop the musical. pilgrim shit right there Joe Tranchita man that was, one, that was one of my men in high school and I said Joe I've never sang before a day in my life <laughs> he's like well come with me he's so, like literally take me to a practice room oh my god and they had the pre programmed you know piano tracks right and He plays it, and it it was Pirates of Penzance, right. and I just remember being like, "The,
1: fuck."
0: <laughs> I'm like, okay, so I listened to the track like two, three times. You know, I can remember the melody. Yeah. Got it. Go in, and the room was like, I'm like, "Is nobody gonna be there?" Right, Joe? He's yeah. like, "No, nah, nah, everyone's gone." Man, a room full of people, and then Mister Fallon, the, the the choir team, who just uh, retired, so he's there. I heard your audition, huh? I'm like, I don't know how the fuck this just happened. This chick, this chick, this chick playing me bad. <laughs> so yeah, so I auditioned and uh, it was awful. He pulled me aside and I'll never, never forget this conversation to paraphrase. I was like, he was like, well, it wasn't bad. I'm like, okay. He's like, you ever sing before? I'm like, no. He's like, how long did you work on the music? I'm like, 10 minutes. He's like, "Uh, oh. he goes. You should be in the choir." So I've been in band four years. Because this, is well, three years. This is my junior year going into senior. Holy year. shit! I'm like, Mr. Fallon. No offense, <laughs> but I've seen your mixed choir. <laughs> <laughs>
1: like, and I and I like my <laughs> reputation.
0: Exactly. <laughs> it's full of <laughs> freshmen and sophomores. Half of them don't know how to act. Other Fk 6. Oh my god! I'm good. <laughs> he was like, "No, no, no. The mixed concert choir." I'm like, that's a small ensemble, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, what all the hot chicks. He's like, well, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you say so. I was I, like,
0: <laughs> I might go to jail if I cut with some shit like that. But okay. and I was like, I'm in. <laughs> that's <okay. laughs> and that's how I got into singing. I sang in mixed concert choir the next year. Awful, awful. But
1: oh, man, it was a good time. That's, see, that's what I'm talking about, man. You know, I think it's good for people to... Um, I think it's good for kids to experience um, the you know the perils of you know attempting to be a musician of of some mm-hmm. sort I think it's good for you on so many levels not just academically but socially as well you know people are there's like this, sure. there's like this social dynamic in the United States where you if you are a you know they call it being a band geek and stuff like that yeah and i've I've never been Opposed to that because I, you know, bam people tend to be geeky. But at the same time, I was I was always kind of like a, a little turned off by that because it 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 implies that we aren't cool when we are actually in super, reality super the cool. coolest kids in the super school. Super cool because we have an extra skill that none of oh, the man. other kids have. Yeah, you know, for sure. Um,
0: so yeah, and then that. I don't know about, it. well, see, St. Xavier's a little different, because I went to Western initially,
1: yeah.
0: where which had a huge music program,
1: yeah.
0: Gr- uh, they had just come off a Grammy nomination for the jazz band, yeah. and then, like, the marching band was, like, party animal, <laughs> like, party animal motherfucker, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it was just, like, a party atmosphere. Uh, you have to go to band camp a week early. First yeah. party I went to on a college campus was at the band house, yeah. right? And, yeah. and of course, I was the geeky kid because they were like hoodwink you once again, <laughs> right? This is this is a ongoing saga of my life. Like, they had hoodwinked. So bring your bring your drill charts and your uh, <laughs> bring your drill charts and your music, you know, your flip folder and show up at the band, blah blah blah. And that was what they told me, and I was like, oh shit, okay. So I show up, right, with a backpack full of shit. I'll never get this one dude was like, the fuck? Did you actually bring your children? <laughs> I didn't know no better. <laughs> <Holy laughs> you knew we were kidding, right? right? Leave me alone. <laughs> and that was the beginning of my college career. <laughs> That's awesome. That no, was good. That's it awesome. Good. That, yeah. Okay, so you, so you start bands. Yeah. What was the first one?
1: So let's walk through that. Okay, so if you if you exclude the solo stuff. Okay. Which was the the original original. Because I was um I guess I guess I can't I can't possibly complete this interview without in some way, shape, or form giving homage to Prince. To Prince. Because Prince was a recurring motif in my life, starting at about eight years old. Okay. All the way to the present day. Um, and one of the first things like literally um, so one of the first things um, that I learned about Prince was that he played all the, instruments himself yeah, he all the instruments himself so that's what I did on my first album I played all the instruments myself right. and um, it was uh, not What's, great what style? Um, it was um, ah, man
0: if you had to put I know this song was hard Right. But if if I, to, yeah, if
1: I had to put it in a category, it would be like um like a pop rock in the vein of like a John Mayer, like a soft kind. Okay. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Yeah. It was it was real, you know, because I didn't have any experience other than like, you know, I like I really like this girl that doesn't know I exist. That was my experience, you know. Um, Deal. And, right, you know. <laughs> I didn't I didn't come from, like, a, a terribly, you know, my mom didn't beat me, my dad didn't beat my mom and shit like that. So I didn't have all these, like, crazy traumatic experiences that I could feed off of. I wasn't, like, living out of cars and shit like Kurt Cobain. I, I was just this fucking kid that wanted to be a musician and wanted to be a songwriter, but I didn't know what the fuck to write about. So I wrote about what I knew. And what I knew is this, these, this reoccurring motif in my life is there is this girl... She's really amazing, and I'm too fucking cowardly to even talk to her. So I've been you know, there, brother. Yeah. So that's what I talked about. Yeah. I'm there today. <laughs> yeah, I'm there today. But I mean, the first band band was um, the Red Meat Trio, and it was um, me. Uh, I don't know why. I can't remember this guy's name. Um, I want to say Vandercook. No. No, that was a cello player. Vander Kirchhoff was the um, cello player. Anyway, it was, a, it was a a friend of mine that, uh, or an acquaintance of mine, that was going to the school. Dan, his first name was Dan, last name something. I can't That's remember right. the V. Yeah, anyway, he was, you was the... on bass. Nice. And... My cousin Coco, Mark Phillips, was on drums. And prior to that, I was working with uh, some other friends of mine on music. Like Jason Hodak was a college buddy of mine. What's up, Jason, if you're out there listening? Um, And we, Jason and I, were originally supposed to start a band together. Um, And he was a very uh, talented drummer. And he recognized my you know skill set yeah so we were going to way before local h was ever a thing we were going to do the local h thing where it was him on drums and me on guitar and we just did that, stuff that's it yeah it never really took off i did a solo album and then i did Red me trio and Red me trio was very much like Stunky. i was like this like Really funky Jimi Hendrix esque kind of stuff. Okay. Just a bass, guitar, and drums. And that was it. And it was cool. And I my guitar chops had gotten to a point at that point where I could solo. And I and soloing was like for me, the hot shit at the time. I oh my god, man, Prince, Jimi Hendrix, you know, Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, all these cats, and I had all these dudes. Oh, for sure. And so I was trying everything. Yeah. I was fucking fearless. I was playing guitar behind the head. I was playing guitar with <laughs> teeth. I was doing all types of fucking stupid shit, um, and it was amazing and it was fun, but it was limiting. It was limited, you know. And then yeah. I—I'll um, I never forget this. I was in the car with Hodak, and we were driving in his—I forget the name of his—the kind of car, but it was this really beautiful long blue car, and Dave Matthews Satellite came on the radio and I was like what the fuck is this Uh-huh. this shit is amazing mm-hmm. and that was that was pretty much the beginning of the Bow Boys so it was Dave Matthews that sort of did okay. it for me so what was the style of the Bow Boys the style of the Bow Boys was uh, man it was kind of like Dave Matthews meets um, Pearl Jam meets um, What's the name of popular uh, um, not ska. Like, okay. a, like, like a, a popular ska. Band okay. Yeah, like. yeah, yeah. So it was like it was like folk rock meets you know, um, grunge rock meets ska. Okay. So because I, I had a horn section and I had Right. A, a very prolific bass player and I'm like this sort of guitar virtuoso and singer and, and all this so it was like this amalgamation and then on top there was this again, there was this layer of Prince over everything. Okay. Prince was sort of residing over the whole thing like a puppet master, like, you know, if it was if Prince thinks this is cool, hell yeah, this shit is cool. Yeah. Is any of that available today? Um, no. Okay. Um, but here's the deal. The deal is, um, I was planning on um, re-releasing some of this stuff uh, down the road, uh, primarily because the um, 20th anniversary of um, The Greater Good is coming up soon. Oh,
0: nice.
1: Yeah. So, because The Greater Good was released in so what's the so you got to
0: explain to the okay to to the friends here what The Greater Good is.
1: The Greater Good is... Okay. It's kind of hard to explain. It's a long story. But The Greater Good is... A Odium Nation album that became the Circle View album.
0: Okay. So... It's kind of complicated. Let's pause. So, so, so you, you got the Bull Boys. Got the bow Boys. Your mom passes away. Mom passes away. Bow Boys... Caput Breaks apart Right Yeah Because again Fun music Fun music Right And I've never heard, heard Any of that Yeah So yeah So then
1: Following the Bow Boys Comes ODM Slash ODM Nation Okay Now Now what year is this This is roughly Around 2000 Because my mom passed In 2000 So it was a It was a okay. transition period It was about a two year Transition period Between The Bow Boys And ODM ODM Nation Okay so, I'd say Odium was officially born around two thousand two. Okay. And the
0: and, and for the list, because like it's all it's like a history going through a history of yeah, Chicago which music too. Right, so kind of where where that is because I can't remember like what bands were popular. And, like I me I was actually on a on a I guess it was a date I don't know fuck <laughs> 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 date last night and um. We were talking about Woodstock. Holy shit. Um, So, a radio station is going to play Woodstock starting tomorrow at the exact same time that Woodstock occurs. So, it's literally going to be, so I think it starts at 4 05 is when they're they're actually going to start airing. And they're going to air for like the next four days. But at the time, so when, you know, that 10 o'clock set starts, right? right. And going, so we were talking about that. And I was like, yeah. And we were talking, you know, because the 50th anniversary is this year. They were trying to do the 50th anniversary festival, fell apart, and then she was like, "Yeah, didn't they do something?" I'm like, "Well, they did something after '99," and she was like, yeah, "But I couldn't remember when." I'm like, "You know, but after '99, I think people were kind of like eh. And then she yeah. was like, well, "What's '99? What was '99?" And so we were talking about that, and I was like, "Fuck, that was 90. Like that was so long, 20 years ago!" Yes. Let Biscuit fucked it up for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know didn't they? Oh my <laughs> god. But we and we got to top and I was like, cause I was thinking I'm like, Corn, Limp Biscuit, Seven Dust, like some of the bands I could think of off the top of my head. Uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, the best in my opinion, best recorded Rage Against the Machine Set ever. Yeah. It's from that, you know, from that festival. But those
1: bands were popular in ninety nine. Yeah. And I'm like, gee
0: cause I always think of them being later.
1: Yeah, you know, you right? Because <laughs> like because later. remember 2004 Osfest. One of my greatest memories in my entire life is when you, me, and a bunch oh of my friends God. Amazing. went to Osfest yes. in 2004. Right? Yeah, and, so and that was Slipknot
0: you. was yeah. already popular because yeah. they were the headline of the second stage. Yep. Uh, yeah. Oh man, of uh, like God,
1: yeah, uh, uh, Otep, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Which like, you got? You got to introduce Otep, right? No, I got to introduce Hatebreed. You got yeah. to introduce Hatebreed. Good lord, yes. dude. You got the fucking dude. Okay, so that's I'm telling you, that's one of the greatest memories of my life watching you walk out on the stage and be like, Hey, man, dude, I was like, That's my nigga, right? That
0: was so long ago, you know. And I, I don't, I think in my brain, I always put those bands later, yeah, you know. So to me, like when you say like 99, I'm like. Wasn't grunge still so big? In my yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess it wasn't it, right. Yeah. It, it, it kind of ran out. Yeah, and so uh, so okay. So 2002, mm-hmm.
1: ODM, originally yeah. ODM, originally ODM, and then I, I I changed it to ODM Nation because um, there were way too many ODMs out there. I remember, yeah. Um, so I changed it to ODM Nation, and uh, you know ODM Nation had a nice long run. Um, I ran ODM Nation like the best way i could describe it is i ran that band how i would imagine prince ran his, ran band. his band or james brown and his band we practiced constantly constantly
0: but You guys were super tight too though. yeah
1: and it was it was one of those things but the biggest reason why i practiced them so much is because i started i had a friend who had a ton of prince bootlegs and he gave me it's 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 all over youtube now but because I'm a real Prince fan, I was like, oh, you motherfuckers are late." Yeah. Um, uh, Prince rehearsal with the with the um, the revolution, and I analyzed that fucking rehearsal. Oh, that has been awful. Yeah, it was terrible. It has to be god awful. Yeah, and you, you you start to realize <laughs> it god awful. You start to realize, man, he really was the man. Like these guys are cool, they're okay, but it, this this shit is really Prince. Well, he you know? was yeah, he was very unique. Yeah, exceptional yeah he was exceptional a freak 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 yeah so i you know i just now now this is no slight against sodium these guys were all very talented people but um they were they were um huh they flourished because we practiced so much their their talents flourished because we spent a lot of time working on sets we spent a lot of time working on the vocal harmonies. We spent a lot of time working on a lot of stuff. And the other good thing was that they were very, very attentive and they were very focused and they, they listened to me. Because I, unlike the way I am now, I was very, very focused and I knew exactly what I wanted. Right. Whereas now, I'm a little bit more open to other people's thoughts and opinions and stuff yeah. like that. I've grown yeah. as, a, as a songwriter and as a musician. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was like... Whoosh, we're doing it this way, bitch. You know? Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of like you know, how all that went down. But uh, yeah, so the the Odom Nation thing was great. It was a nice long run. We did a lot of great shows. Um, <laughs> and then something happened. And uh, we started to get attention from labels, and we started to get attention from people who could um, advance our career. And um, the thing that the reoccurring motif was that all of these people the minute that they found out that I wrote all the material they were not very interested in the band they They were interested in me and I started to learn very early on that the music business is really fucking fucked up oh for sure what's the
0: longest longest signed act on Roadrunner's label Hmm. Roadrunner. Uh,
1: Roadrunner. Man, I don't know. Max. Really?
0: Cavalera. Not Soulfly. Wow. Not Sepultura. Max is the longest signed artist. If he's still signed to Roadrunner today, which I believe he is, he's the longest signed. I know I was reading this in an article once. It was about the music business. And Jamie Josta talks about this all the time. The longest signed artist on Roadrunner is Max Cavalera. Not any of his bands. Cause he writes all the music, right? So early on, they were like, "Sign him," yeah, and they did. And so that's right. So right. Sepultura, yeah. Soulfly, yeah. now Cavalier, Conspiracy yeah.
1: are all under his umbrella.
0: Under his umbrella.
1: And I think ultimately, I think that's what a lot of the record labels that I've, I've been affiliated wanted. with in the past wanted to do with me. My crutch was that um, for the longest time. I, I carry the guilt of that, yeah. like the weight of the guilt of that. You know, it's like, fuck, these people are like, you know, supporting me and they're playing my music and, they, and I'm just going to fucking ditch them. That's fucked up. But here's what ended up happening. Yeah. Um, I, I, signed, I signed with no ID for a while. Yeah, right. and um, no ID. As you guys know, no ID is very famous. He's the uh, president of Def Jam Records now, but at the time, he was uh, you know just a producer and you know and stuff like that. Still very popular, still very famous, still very powerful in the music industry. But and such a nice guy. Yeah,
0: I met him at when we so we used to work at Guitar Center. Mm-hmm. I met him working the front desk once. A Guitar Center Didn't know who he was Like now I know him Right and I know him If I saw him in the street Like you know But didn't know who he was Yeah And he brought He was bringing some stuff in To, to, to trade or sell And he literally goes We got the same first name yeah, and I was like, "Oh, do we?" <laughs> I, that, like that. little how the conversation started. Yeah, and then someone was like, "You know what that is, don't you?" And I was like, "Not, nah, nah, not a clue." Which yeah. back then, a lot of people come right. in, and yeah. I, you know, yeah. have no idea who they are. Yeah, and then
1: like you're like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Shit. It's like, "Oh shit!" The boss and, is gonna talk to me. <laughs> right, right. And here's the thing, you know, at at, at the time, um. Retrospect is a motherfucker, D. I got to tell you, man, you know, at the time, at the time, you know, I, I was, um, my judgment was clouded by, uh, things that I didn't understand. I didn't under, there, there were aspects of the, the, the entire dynamic that I didn't understand. And that led to me, um, asking my lawyer to get me out of the deal. I'm not going to go into detail about it. That's fine. It, no, no, no. But, I, I wouldn't. Mean, have, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. But the long and short of it is is that um, this guy um, saw us perform at the Hard Rock Cafe downtown. He really enjoyed the performance. He walked up to me. He looked me in my face and he said, I'm going to make you a star. And from that moment on, I should have latched myself on to his ankle. <laughs> I just and just never let go. And never let go yeah never let go. yeah, um, but that's not what happened. Did you guys ever not to interrupt, but yeah. did you guys ever forge a personal friendship? um for a while? yes, um okay. i it was it was sh- very short lived. Um, he would call me into the studio just to hang out and stuff like that, and I got to um be a fly on the wall with some pr- some pretty cool conversations with um you know f- fellow people. Uh, in the business, including another artist that was signed to him at the time, K. Fox, and stuff like that. And, you know, I had an opportunity to learn some things. Yeah, about and that,
0: and that's why I asked, yeah. because I know you often hear that he's the person who kind of taught Kanye. Kanye. Yeah. Mo, like, Mo, you always hear most. Yeah. He taught Kanye most of what he knows. Yeah. And so, it, that's why i like, well, that
1: story's all true.
0: Oh, and I don't know, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, did you ever have those opportunities to, to to see to watch him work? Yes. Or you know, just learn. Because I yeah. mean, you know, I'm especially at this juncture in life. Yeah. I'm smart enough to know when someone who's really good at what they do or really good at something is doing it, shut the fuck up and watch.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. And here's the thing: um, he used to drop pearls all the time. Yes. You know, and one of the one of the things that I learned from No ID was. Um, always surround yourself with people that are good at shit that you aren't good at. Yes, you know. Yes, and that was one of the first times I heard that. Yes, you know? um, He's a very, very wise person, and um, he was. Uh, um, I think. I think the one, if I could, if I could, go back in time, the one thing that I would say to myself in that situation is. Have patience, young man. Have just, patience, young Padawan Ride it out. Just ride, it out. ride just, it out. you know, just let the dude do what he's gonna do, you know, and don't don't be so eager to um, you know get further ahead. don't don't rush the game, you yeah. know. And I rushed the game a little bit. I got impatient. And I asked my lawyer to get me out of the deal. and even my lawyer was kind of like, are you are you sure?" no, are you sure you want to get out of this? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get out of it. And, um, that was it. I, you know, um, I, I never had the, even, even in those moments where I was kind of like, man, I should try to reach out to no ID. I'd never had the courage to do it because I was such a dunk if you will. Yeah. I, was so, um, I was so in my own headspace. Um, and I think that's what ended up happening to ODM Nation. I, I often tell this story to the band members and the Circle View as a cautionary tale to myself yeah. as to how how to not behave. But um, something else came up where there was an opportunity for the band to get a deal. And this this particular transaction came through our our entertainment attorney and it was then that I got the um, I got the dreaded sort of um, conversation that I never want to happen again, which is um, so you write all the songs, right?
0: <laughs> now your, yeah. None of your
1: goddamn business. Yeah. So yeah, right. So you write all the songs, right? Yeah. And you 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 like this is this is really like all your shit, right? I'm like, well, I mean, technically, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like I, I, I let these guys play on the album, so it's not officially my shit. It's it's our shit. It's our shit. He's like, but but you wrote the songs. So yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, you thought of all the parts. and I was like, yeah. He's like, then you need to you need to get the band under contract. And it was the first time someone ever, had ever said that to me. You need to get the band under contract. That that whole concept never even occurred to me. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, and so that's that was what I went about doing. I went about the process of trying to get the band under contract. And the other thing that occurred was. Um, people started getting in my ear about what I was doing as opposed to what the band was doing and who deserved what and shit like that. And that's a toxic conversation. Oh, for sure. You know? um, it's very toxic. And so...
0: If I may ask. Yeah. How are your views on that? What are your views on that today? How they evolved today. How they evolved? I
1: think that's what's good about the circle view, okay? This is how they've evolved. I am 110% transparent with my band members all the time. Every time anything happens, ever, yeah. I just I just shoot them an email or I shoot them a mass text. I like, hey guys, this is happening. I'm letting you guys know that this is happening. Blah blah yada yada yada. Yeah. The other thing um, is that uh, not that I didn't do that before, but the I think the difference is, is is the intent. Yeah. Like the intent now is to keep the band informed because I want them to be more proactive in the journey so that I don't feel like I'm giving them something that they didn't earn. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, and then the other thing is, is that I'm, I'm allowing them to participate musically in this, like the last Circle View album, The Love Rebellion, for the first time ever yeah. had songs that were co-written by another band member, Tom Howell, the guitar player. Yep. So Tom... What song was that? Um, this, uh, if I may sh- ask, yeah, no, because um,
0: I'm very familiar with the album.
1: Yeah, um, Jesus, let me right here, I gotta pull up the album.
0: Okay, I like that song.
1: Right here, and um, let me see here.
0: So, so for those of you listening, um, Circle View Music is available on Apple Music, Apple, Spotify, Spotify CD Baby, CD Baby. CD Baby so. I will link so you can find the songs that are being referenced. So you can kind of listen to them, buy them. It's great music, great Chicago music. Um, the reason I ask, because I love that last. I mean, I love all your albums. Yeah. I love all your music. I, there's one song I hate. What <laughs> <laughs> song? Stereo. Okay. I hate stereo. Stereo has a unique I history. I hate stereo. Why is that? I, I just. From the first like I just hate it. And it's so funny because of all you gotta your, tell me why? Of all your songs, I li- like I can listen to all your albums, top to bottom, front <laughs> to back. Stereo comes on and I'm like I I don't get it. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I, just, I just don't get it. Okay. <laughs> And I literally, like, I mean, I, I don't listen. I'm like, I'm, you're one of my top. So, search <laughs> View is in my, what, my number four band I listened to last year? Like, because I get my, like, statistics. Yeah. And then I use Last.fm. I don't know if you ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. It's a music scrabbler. Mm-hmm. I've kept track of my music listening since 2006. So, I can go back and literally look at all the songs I listened to in January of 2007 and, and forward. And of like all the songs, you will never see there <laughs> And I'm one of your top listeners on Spotify. That's why I am like, You're a top listener of these bands. Circle View, uh, Red River, which is right, you know, another right. Chicago. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but I'm not listening to that. I hate that song. I <laughs> that really song, dislike that, that song. That
1: song has a very unique history. And the irony is, is that you've inspired me to to re-record and re-release the original version of that song that song stereo okay was a bow boy song in four really not in five really so i rewrote that song in five okay so the original the the current version that you hate is <laughs> is <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the original version And from the Bow Boys is like this really, it's actually one of the only dark songs from that era. And it goes, it's real funky, soulful, just straight up rock. And I solo, (laughs) I solo for like five minutes minutes. at the end of it. And it's just, it's, it was actually one of the songs that we, the Bow Boys used to close with. And I would do, like, these crazy guitar solos while I would play behind my back yeah. and play with my teeth and I'd fall on the ground and play. Right. And it was, like, this really... It was a completely different song. And the reason why I rearranged the song um, is because... is and I'm, I'm, I'm smiling, I'm trying not to laugh because you hate <laughs> the song so much. But the song has a personal evolution for me. It started out um, as a... As a um, a sort of rebellious song, because the lyrics changed. It started right. out as a rebellious song, because being a black kid in Chicago liking rock music, Woo! I used to get ridiculed Woo! a lot. Who are you telling? Right. So I think that I think that if you heard the original version of that song, you might appreciate it a little bit more because rock. there's a sensibility there that you could relate to. The new version. I changed the lyrics to make it match more with the concept of the album, which is the Love Rebellion, and the the hook of the song is, um, there's no use in crying in stereo, um, I ain't used to crying all alone. Yeah. Um, so, I guess what I was trying to say, and, and the new version of the song is, stay with me. Let's if 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 you're gonna be if I'm miserable and you're miserable, let's be miserable together. Let's be miserable in stereo. Uh, Why are you gonna go? That's sweet, right? It's it's like a metaphor. Why are you gonna go and be miserable in mono when we can come and be miserable together miserable together in stereo? Well. I wasn't trying to pimp that off on time I'm glad that's because I was like, maybe Tom wrote that one. Maybe That's the one he wrote. The irony of that. The irony of that is, is that is a musician's favorite. Musicians, especially drummers. Absolutely. Drummers love that fucking of song. Course they, they always do. go to that. Oh my god, do. that song is so good. Because it's man. a little different. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's
0: challenging. I hear those. that. I hear that riff, and I'm like.
1: <laughs> Fuck this
0: dude! <laughs> I, I, I've never I, I've listened to it twice. Here's the I can count on one hand how many times I've actually listened to the whole song.
1: There, I'm telling you, that's another thing. I think one again, one of the other reasons why you hate it so much is because I, I wrote it early in my evolution yeah. as a songwriter, and I wasn't very good. So the guitars were simple. Da da da. <laughs> you know, yeah, um,
0: so but as- I think all your, I think one of the magic, the magic of your music is it's relatively all of its relative, not like not overly simple, yeah. right? But it doesn't, it doesn't have to be complex. Like, that's actually something I probably gained from like Max, uh, like Max, uh, how was it? Cali, is it Cavalera? Cavalera, Cavalera yeah, yes. Cause he doesn't use the top two strings on his guitar. Yeah. Right? That's right? fascinating as <laughs> shit, right? He said one day I just took up and pulled them off. I was like, fuck that. And that dude, like, puts out, like, an album in my year. Yeah. Diverse. And now he's, with four strings. Or, four strings, right. Man. Like, who needs those types? Right, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> who needs that solo shit? He's like, <laughs> I just picture, like, looking at him like, mm, that's some Randy Rhoads shit. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> like, that, like that. You know, but it doesn't have to be complex. And and right. often the most accessible things are those things that aren't overly complex. So right. People can engage with it. And right, and the motion of the music right. is what draws people in. Right.
1: You're absolutely right, and I think a lot of the times that's what escapes a lot of musician-oriented songwriters, song songwriters who were initially prolific music or you yeah. know virtuosic musicians. Yeah. They don't. They forget. You are not. You are. You are writing music. You got to know who you're writing your music to. Yes. Are you writing your music to other virtuosic musicians? Then your mm-hmm. genre should cater to that. Are you writing to the masses? Are you going after the same people that you know the Stones and the Beatles and Prince and Michael Jackson and Tom Petty and Bowie? Are you going after the same people that listen to that music? Right. Are you, or are you going? You know, in my generation, the Foo Fighters. And are you going after? Right. A, ma- a large group of people, then you're gonna have to make the music a little bit more digestible. You're gonna have to make it a little bit more approachable, yeah. even if you're talking about subjects that are harder pills to swallow. Oh, sure. If you wrap it in a, a digestible music, yeah. approachable music, people are more, you know, they they'll, they'll tend to give it a shot. Yeah, you know?
0: I I don't remember what I was reading. Uh, it was years ago. But I think it was a the guy who wrote like the was it what did he call it? He wrote like a series of documentaries about metal music, mm-hmm. but he like it was almost like uh, Ken Ken the document the documentarian Ken who he did Vietnam he did baseball. Oh, His right no, name is totally. Okay. Ken Burns. Okay, yeah. So very similar to Ken Burns, like when he came out with his jazz documentary and he said the most influential jazz artist ever was Louis Armstrong and people's heads exploded, like, all <laughs> right. And this dude kind of said, I remember reading it, I remember reading something, I think I was reading it, and he had said, you know, he goes, when it comes to pop music, and he was talking about like the kind of, cause the grunt, like Nirvana hits, uh, and you had those other grunge area bands that are super popular, but when Nirvana hit, it kind of just ended the yeah. world, right? Yeah. <laughs> world changed, <Yeah>. right? <laughs> he just was like, oh my God, you know, yeah. he overshined every other band. It was like, yeah. you know, and then that dies down, right? And then, uh, you know, Kurt Cobain dies. Um, but then he was like, he goes, I feel like that next big shift was Corn. He goes, Super simple music, right? What what was most complex about it? They were like, look a seven string guitar. Yeah. And then like
1: just Yeah. Just way the fuck down. Damn
0: string is flapping.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Right.
0: But it's simple. The the lyrical content was was relatively simple, right? Very like it's tough to hear tough to kind of encounter, but like things that so many kids can relate to, right? Abuse and just this Mm -hmm. fucked up childhood with this you know, just 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 heavy. And then funky just with a beat, right? None of that. Just you know it just heavy and and the crowd would just bounce and they took that (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it wrote it that. Way. I remember Because before that I didn't listen to I didn't grow up listening to rock music I don't I remember really growing up Listening to a lot of music You know I just really don't uh, First album I ever bought Was on cassette And that was um... Ooh, Give me one second I'm so sorry I thought my computer was plugged And I was wrong And I don't want to have an accident here Alright. <laughs> Completely unedited. We're just rolling. Okay. <laughs> um, first album I ever bought was on cassette and it was the Beavis Simple Butthead experience. Nice. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. First track on it was I Hate Myself and Wanna Die. Nirvana. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't Remember what the second track was, but Aerosmith was on there with Deuces Wild, mm-hmm. Run DMC was on there, started mixing a lot with Monster Mac, Chili Peppers, uh, Chili Peppers Primus. Yeah, one thing I, I showed sure you, get a kick out of that B <laughs> you know, was a butthead show, you know. I it was that monster, yeah, Monster Magnet, but I remember listening to that, and then the next album I bought, which was on CD, was Nevermind. Wow! Listen to that. Next album I bought was Aerosmith, right? Killing that stuff. And then I remember being in a friend's car, and they put on he put on Corn for me, and I remember just being like, Holy! Yeah, yeah. Fuck all this! Yeah. And I bought, and so that was late. That was their what third album? Yeah. Um, the one with the the little girl on it on the clip. um, Yeah. Oh, what's the name of the album? Chase the uh, follow the leader. Yeah, so that's that was the
1: first time I ever heard corn,
0: and I was just like, Jesus,
1: <laughs> fuck! I think and that was I it. Th- I think I had those epiphanies quite a few times in my life. I had that epiphany um, with Prince first and foremost. Mm-hmm. I had that epiphany. I think. The, wait, wait, wait. Okay, we're good. I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> I think the I think the following. Um, Epiphany right after that might have been, I want to say Hendrix. And then right after that, it was uh, Nirvana. And then right after that, it was. um, Fuck. Rage. Rage. And then right after. Yeah. And then right after Rage, it was Radiohead. And then right after Radiohead, it was Audio Slave.
0: Never been in Radiohead. Man,
1: okay, so never been in the Radiohead. The thing, the thing about Radiohead, okay, that won me over was, um, I think, it appealed to my classical sense, my 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 classical sensibilities as a musician. My Need to elevate the genre mm-hmm. that I'm in, and actually treat it like a piece of art, yeah. instead of. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I wanted it in in the burger department. I wanted my music to be more like an Al Chaval burger, mm-hmm. and less like. A fucking Checkers burger. Checker burger. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No yes. offense to Checkers. They, they make delicious burgers, but that shit ain't compared to no it's, Al Trafal. It's not gourmet. If you've had it's an Al burger, you know what the fuck it's I'm talking not, not a gourmet. gourmet, yes. Right? So, to me, Radiohead's... Now, they, they weren't all gems, but to me, Radiohead's approach to music was something new. It was something different. Yeah. And And um, these motherfuckers were actually dissecting Composites of noises in a way that I was like, "What the fuck am I listening to?" And I thought that that was fascinating. And then the thing after that was Audio Slave. Now, big ups to Tom Morello because Tom Morello is the deuce's wild in that list. He comes up twice. Always, you know what I'm saying? He came up with Rage and then he came up with Audio Slave. And I remember listening to the Audio Slave album overnight. Over and over and over again. I think I spent. I stayed up until like six o'clock in the morning, yeah. and I listened to it, and As soon as it hit the last song, I was started again and listened to it again, and over and over and over again. I was obsessed with that fucking album because the combination of goddamn Brad Wilk on the fucking drums, yes, and Tom Morello on the guitar, and no offense to the bass player, but. It was oh, those three, come on, give me that bass player. The he, bass, the player. Come okay. on, okay, he's he's dope. He's I love dope. him. I love him. He's dope. I love him. He's dope, but it, there was <laughs> there was nothing about. Well, that's not true. There was almost nothing about his performances that differed from the Rage Against the Machine era to me. Whereas I could, f- I could, f- audibly hear the evolution yeah. in Brad Wilk. I could audibly hear the evolution in Tom Morello. I could, I mean, Chris Cornell was like. Okay, well, he was back. Yeah, he I was, was like, back. this motherfucker is, um, he is a god amongst men. He, he could back. literally, he's just walking around like Giant Man, like, oh, <laughs> punching goddamn Thanos ships and shit like that <laughs> with his voice, you know? He was back. Yeah, Chris
0: yeah. Cornell was the man. I remember that because I remember the first single. That's back when I still used to have cable and VH1. Had the had a uh, yes on the video and it's funny because so much music that I, even to this day I love were videos that I woke up to I don't know if it was because like like almost like like uh, like subconscious yes <laughs> like, oh yeah I would like wake up to a song and it'll be like this is the best song I've ever yeah. heard and um one of them perfect the perfect example is um I don't even know the name of the band. Uh, um, trying to think of the name of the song is uh, uh, Brighter Than Sunshine. In the rainfall, oh. I don't care. I'm yours. Aqualung. Aqualung, yeah. That, I still to this day love that song. Yeah. And I remember waking up one morning and being like,
1: <laughs> It is brighter
0: <laughs> <this> <laughs> It is private I gotta time. go to work. I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, it's great. That's awesome. You That's know, awesome. and yeah. like it was and I remember waking up one morning to that song and being like, fuck. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Oh
1: yes. Yeah, like, love it Yeah. But there I mean, you know, you know, th- there was there was an th- an element particularly um, with Tom Morello and Brad Wilk that I, I was just like, holy shit. But Brad Wilk taught me something that um most of the drummers that I've worked with know that we, they, Keith King, one of my, one of my, the band, band's drummers, um, God bless him and I wish him all the best. He's doing some, he's started his own band. He's doing his own thing now. Oh, wonderful. He dubbed it the, uh, Lance Bootcamp because drummers come in and they learn a whole bunch you know, hanging, out, hanging out man. with my bands and then they move on and do other things. And one of the things that I love, you know, teaching is just shit that I learned from these, some of, from my, from some of my favorite, famous famous Favorite drummers, and Brad Wilk taught me the um the flockem, but he added a twist to it. So it's you know you got a a, a, a flam on the snare and a kick. So flockem, right? Yeah. But he would do like this cool little, like you know. So he he'd it's almost like one motion. It's a flockem with a it's a flockem with a double hit, and on the second hit. You crash with the kick, so oops. all right. Oops. And I was like, "Oh my god, that shit is so dope!" And I'm sure some <laughs> other drummer has done None that before. before him, but he did it in such a way. Do you know? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's okay. Do you
0: know Philip Phil Bill? Philip Bill.
1: Oh,
0: no. He, me, and him met man, back in '97. Drummer. Um, all through high school, he was the top jazz drummer. In the in the state, mm-hmm. went to college. Now I, I know I'm pretty sure he's a session drummer now, right? Mm-hmm. One of the best drummers I've ever met, ever had the pleasure of watching play. Um, amazing. And I, I don't know if you know, but he's amazing. He, Someone you should meet. Just Definitely meet, gonna look him up because I, I know should. you like. I know you love you love drummers and you love drummers who are skillful.
1: If right? I could, if I could choose any instrument to be a virtuoso on other than piano and guitar with drums.
0: drums. And Phil was a he was always I mean, you know, just good. Very good. Still is. Um just got I think he just got married. Or he's married now. Maybe he just had a kid I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of cat. Okay, so
1: Odium, Odium Nation. Yeah.
0: Now the Circle View. The so Circle there was there View. was there
1: was a band in between there called Satellite Hero. Satellite Hero. Okay, so Satellite Hero, like so, like I said before, there was there were these transition periods. So as the Bo Boys were ending, I was writing songs that ended up going that ended up becoming ODM ODM Nation songs. As ODM Nation was ending, it transitioned. Satellite Hero was short lived, mm-hmm. but all of the songs that were on the Satellite Hero album became the Circle Views. Out. And so what? It, what ended up happening is, uh, I I totally digress from the story. The long and short of it is, is that with Odium Nation, um, I you know we we can't we we butted heads. The the other band members and I butted heads because they felt like they were contributing a lot, and they felt like you know being put under contract was insulting. Yeah. And um, so it was like this. It was like this weird night. Where I came and presented them with a contract, and the, and the contract was, you know, um, kind of bogus. Okay. You know, it was. I was asking them to basically, if you're, you know, if you're going to get a cut of whatever we make, you gotta, you gotta contribute more. Like, you guys gotta, like. You know, you gotta contribute more musically. You gotta write some songs. You gotta like get out there and pass out some flyers. That shows you how like long ago this was. You gotta get out like now. Social media, right? <laughs> you gotta get out there, and pass out some flyers. You gotta help get us on the radio. You gotta like do stuff. Yeah. You know, because at the time, I was doing all the stuff. Yeah. Anytime you heard the band on the radio, it was getting the band on the radio. Anytime you did, anytime we got a gig, I booked the gig. Yeah. You know, so it was. I was doing everything, you know, and it was, it was just sort of like this, it was like my way of saying, I want you to be a part of this. I did it the absolute positive wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. But it was my way of saying, I want you to be a part of this, but if you're going to be a part of this, can, can we all put a little bit more energy into this? And, um... I even went on to like talk about like, you know, we need to lose a little everybody needs to lose a little weight and we need to and that really like didn't sit well with one of the band members and you know, he was like, You're a fucking fat ass too and fuck you and blah blah and then they came back with something called the Illinois version of the Uniform Partnership Act. Which states that because I didn't get the band members signed to an agreement at the conception of the band that they are privy to basically uh, uh, an equal share of whatever happens yeah. okay so this is why I really now I, to be fair let me let me get this out of the way It was a dick move on my part and I really regret it and I really wish and if if they happen to hear this now I would like all of them to know that I'm very sorry and I was in my own headspace and I was in my own bubble and I was very egotistical and I really regret this but what I did was I said okay fine take Odium nation and th- that, that look on your face right now is basically exactly <laughs> what they what they said. I was like, and they were like looking at me like, what the fuck? I was like, no. I know that I write all this shit. Yeah. I can just write more shit. So you take this, it's yours. Yeah, have fun. Take all the songs, yeah. find another vocalist, and you continue as Odium Nation. And I'm just gonna go do something else. And that was a dick move. That was a real dick move. Um, I could have handled that better, yeah. um, and that was pretty much the end. I, I single-handedly destroyed friendships that day. Yeah, that was a dick move. Yeah. and I deeply regret it. And as a result, um, I ended up. Uh, the I could have moved forward because you know they walked away. I could have moved forward as Odium Nation and just found whole whole new band members. But I was so seethingly fucking pissed off at even just the name I didn't want anything to do with Odium yeah. Nation. Yeah. I said I'm just going to start all over. But I took my fucking music and I just rebranded it. Oh, and man. so the the greater good and underground which were originally Odium Nation albums, I just made them the Circle View albums. Yeah. And then the following album which was almost completely me, which is the Dither Age, I did most of the most of the instruments on that album. And most of the vocals, except you came in and you did some shit on that album, which is dope. God awful. No, it wasn't yeah, god awful. It got awful. Accepting whatever is to this day one of my favorite songs. If I had to, if I had to, if someone were to say to me, "Can you define your sound in five or ten songs?" Accepting whatever would be in that in that in that list. Yeah. And with that being said, um, I started. I just. I just started the circle view and yeah. um it was uh it was uh, an interesting evolution tom howell my guitar player had been um uh an acquaintance of mine for a number we we were hitting a lot of the same circuits mm-hmm. he was in uh the flying hamsters of doom mm-hmm. and uh we had You know, over the years, we had always said to each other, you know, let's get together, let's work on some music. He found out that I was holding some guitar auditions, and he literally showed up and auditioned on guitar. And when I saw him walk in, I was like, this dude realizes that the auditions are over now, right? I don't need him to hear him play anything. Yeah. Like I've already seen him like yeah. I, I, yeah. So I just I just ended the auditions. I Tom's like, always been yeah. very talented. Yeah. yeah. So like he's in, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Chris came along, he answered a, a Craigslist posting. Nice. And uh, and Joey Williams is one of those consistent drummers throughout the years. He's been with me since the conception of ODM. Yeah. So He's you know anytime I need him he he'll find a way to get back to Chicago or wherever I'm tracking, and he'll I'll give him the I'll give him the demo tracks, and he'll come into the studio and he'll knock them out. That's his thing. Joey's yeah, it's a it's virtuoso. It's he's it's the virtuoso's virtuoso. He is truly um, one of the most talented amazingly gifted, talented musicians I've ever had the honor and privilege of working with. And mm-hmm. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Mm-hmm. He drives me fucking nuts. He's all over the place. <laughs> and he smokes way too much weed. But I love him. He's hey, my boy. It's legal now. Yeah, it's cool. It's legal now. Do what you gotta do.
0: <laughs> mm. So, what's what's next on Horizon for the
1: band? What's um, going on? Okay, so... I got a manager. All right. And um, that's that's a very amazing, amazing fucking story that I've got to tell you. I can't let this interview end without me telling you the story. So 2016, I was driving for Uber. And I get this request from the Sheridan Hotel. And this gentleman walks up to the car with his two sons. And... Um, I should have known something was up with this guy because he tipped the guy to help them with the luggage big. and I was like, man this, I, you know something's, there's somethings there's something about this guy you know yeah. he gets in the car, his son's get in the backseat. his sons are in their phones, you know, not paying attention to me, but this guy this gentleman is on his phone, and he's on his phone at unbeknownst to me at the time, but he's on the phone with fucking Janet Jackson Janet. Jackson was on the other line can, of that cell phone. She could talk to me anytime. I know, <laughs> right? So he's on the phone with Janet Jackson, and they're you know they're talking about stuff and um, personal things that I'm not going to repeat. Of course, of course. Um, but the long and short of it is, uh, yeah, and it, it's weird because. You know, I finally found. As soon as he got off the phone, I finally found a window, and I was like, "I'm gonna condense this story." I kind of said to him, like, "Hey, you know, um, are you in the music business?" And um, you know, uh, there was a stop along the way, and he was like, "You know what? I'm gonna do what I need to do. I'm gonna get out and do what I need to do. And while I do that, you Google Phil Q, and then when I get back, we'll talk about it." So it was the most ball of shit ever. He had me Google him. Google so he went out he, he got out of the car he was doing something we had to do a stop we, he got out of the car he was doing something I googled him and this dude's roster comes up on my phone and I'm just like oh my god like literally like almost diarrhea shit came out of my I was like oh my god like the, the this dude's background is immaculate he like you name it he's done it he was president of Warner, Atlantic Records. He discovered the Spice Girls, worked with Linkin Park, The Stones, everybody. He broke U2 on the radio. Jesus. He broke U2 on the radio in the United States. Jesus. That guy sitting in my broke-ass fucking Uber. <laughs> so, long story short, after I've stopped freaking the fuck out, um, I pull myself together. He gets back in the car and I reintroduce myself. I'm like, hey, you know, my name is Lance Ayers and... I'm a songwriter, and it would mean the world to me if you would just listen to my music. And I was like, I could pull it up for you right now. He's like, man, what's wrong with you? I'm not going to listen to your music right now. You're, you're offering me a service. He's like, are you from Chicago? I say, yeah. He's like, are you from Chicago? I say, yeah. He's like, all right, I tell you what. You get me to the airport in less than 30 minutes, and I'll give you my email address. You can send me some music. And if I give you my word, I'll listen to it. And if I like it, you'll hear from me. If I don't like it, you'll never hear from never me. Again. From me again. I I was like, buckle up, boys. <laughs> so I, I got him there in 22 minutes. Wow. And he was a man of his word. I still have that flap. He he took the fold of an envelope. He ripped off the fold of an envelope and he wrote his email address and he gave it to me. I took a picture of it. I have it framed. Um I went, I turned the Uber app off. I went straight home. I constructed the email, put the band logo header, it was dope as fuck, I put it all together, wrote it out, it took me hours, I was gonna, and I was, I was doing rough drafts, and I sent it off to my girl at the time, I was like, check this out, and just, just make sure I'm not fucking this up, and then I sent the email, and I didn't hear a fucking thing back for months, I was so mortified, I was like, oh my god, I'm, I might as well pack it in, I might as well give it up, I think about six months went by. And fortunately for me, I have family out in California, so I get California calls all the time. I got a California call and I'm thinking it's probably like, you know, a cousin or something. So I pick up and I'm like, hey, what's up? This is Lance. Lance, it's Phil. You know, I'm like, holy shit, you know. He's like, uh, uh, it was funny. He he's like, uh, he basically said, you know, I wasn't I wasn't super impressed with you initially, but I listened to this music, you know. And he's like, this this is really good. He's That's like, awesome. <laughs> you know, right? He like It's pers- like my personal impression of you wasn't great. Still wasn't you, know? Overly impressed. Right? you know, but he's like, This music is really good. I played this music for a lot of people. It's really good. Can I fly out to LA? And he flew me out to LA and he introduced me to Bob Grammy Award-winning producer Bob Cuttarella. He introduced me to a lot of people. Um, and I was out there for four days. And on the last night he said to me, he took me he took me to a sushi bar. And uh this shit was so dope. He took me to a sushi bar and uh he said um he, he showed up a little late and I'm sitting there nervous as fuck, you know. Showed up and he's telling me he's such a good storyteller. Yeah. I mean like Dude could have his own podcast, oh, storyteller. I'm, I'm sure. Great storyteller, and all of it is true. Like stories about him and Keith Richards, him and oh my god, he told me the story about him and Billy Corgan, which was like the dopest. I'm never, oh, I will no. never repeat this story in public ever. Not that it's embarrassing or anything, but right, yet, right, it right. Like, it was like personal, private shit, you know. And I'm just sitting there listening to this dude, and he's telling me this stuff, and I'm just so enamored with him, and I'm so in awe of him because he's so great and he's so amazing. And I'm just like, I. It was it was like this moment of doubt Mm -hmm. that that washed over me and I started feeling myself starting to cry Mm -hmm. like, do I deserve to be here? Do I deserve to be sitting here with this man who has been president of labels and went on a car ride with Prince and all this? Do I deserve Am I this good? Why not you? Right? But I at the at the moment I was just like I was I felt myself welling up with tears and I had to catch myself. I had to five, four, three, two, one a minute. It was like literally like smap out of it, bitch. He's gonna see you cry, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah. so right. So I pull I try to pull myself together and as I'm pulling myself together, he goes, So I wanna manage you. What do you think about that? And the tears just boom. It just like as soon as he said it, it was just like Whoosh, and yeah. the tears came crawling down my eyes. And I had to like grab a napkin and like wipe, and I had to apologize to him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. And I said, It just, I just need you to understand, Phil, that this is a validation for me. Yeah. This, a man of your status, a man of your stature, a man of your history and background in the music business, acknowledging me in this way enough to say that. I want to manage your career for you validates it means that I am not a failure in some way, shape or form. I have not wasted my life. I know I you
0: never viewed no i d that way, but no. back in the day I, I mean to me, yeah. right, just as an outsider, I'm like man one of the most celebrated producers in the world, yeah, was like Fuck i want I want you know what I'm saying, I want yeah. you to kick it with me, yeah. you know what I'm saying I'm yeah. like yeah, you know, but but now it happens again. Right? Yeah, so it's right. Like, so second, it's
1: crazy second time, which is like, in retrospect, when you think about that, it makes you go, "Man, I must really be good at this." You, you are know? good at this. That's a scary thought because it's not like it's not like a Prince thing. It's not like a Bowie thing. It's not like a a, a Tom Petty or a Paul McCartney thing. Now you gotta you gotta prove it. Yeah, you know, now you gotta prove it. Yeah. you know um, and so after i quit bub- blubbering all over myself i said yes absolutely he tells me to go home and to write some songs and to send him some stuff New. New so stuff. i go yeah so i go back to chicago and i write some songs and i send him some stuff and he calls me up again and he's like why the fuck are you not signed why why do you not why are you not rich and famous? And I said, that's funny that you said that because I had literally made a video a long time ago. I don't know. So I have absolutely no idea. Why the fuck are you know? not rich and famous? Right? So he flies me back out again two times to do mixes of these songs. But one song in particular uh, is called Loving You Is Hard. Look out for it. Because, Which I've heard. Yeah.
0: Which I've heard. And I love.
1: Yeah. He... This is going to be the flagship song of... And I I did all of that bullshit to say, to answer your question, what's on the horizon now. Um, We're going to be pushing this new single, Loving You Is Hard. We're going to be releasing a brand new album. We're going to be going on the road. We're going to be doing some dates, most likely next year. Um, Everything is gearing up towards some tour dates for next summer. And and a new album release But it's all centered around the success of this one song Loving You Is Heart Which um, is going to have a full-blown marketing push So I've told you this for
0: years I'll never forget Do you remember O'Malley's? Yeah Back in the day
1: I remember O'Malley's
0: I remember being at O'Malley's once (laughs) And I think the band I want to say it was Imperial Imperial DLX Uh Like a local Chicago band, right? I don't, and it might not have been, but I remember they had a dude on the side of the stage. Dude came. I had a skull cap on, t-shirt, jeans. Introduced the band, right? These are my homies. Blah, blah, you know. I, I, I really want to say it was Imperial D L A, period, yeah, like, but you know, these are my homies. Blah blah blah. Walked to the side of the stage, little joint, <laughs> and danced. And just danced to every song. <laughs> Not, like, like, literally, crossed his arms with the joint in his mouth, like this, and would just go side to side. And I was like, I was like, yo, I need to. He was like a new age flavor play. <laughs> he that's was the, kind, flame that's the kind of hype, man. You need right there. Just with light a lighter joint. <laughs> like, we gonna enjoy this.
1: So, oh my god,
0: that's what your band needs. And I know a guy.
1: <laughs> perfect. stand perfect, on the side of perfect, stage. I'm like,
0: <laughs> plays a slip. just like, and just sit on the side. I just of stage. for
1: show, sure, just be like, oh, this is the shit. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's funny that you mention that because um, I uh, I have been in in a sense not not literally, but I have been in a sense sort of tasked to put together. Um, a personal team of people that will accompany me on this journey Mm -hmm. and I you know it's crazy that i just got to do this on the podcast but I was going to ask you if you would you know consider in some capacity working with with the band on this this coming tour now again the tour is probably going to be next spring or summer because we have to um, we have to release the song "Loving You Is Hard." We have to promote the song "Loving You Is Hard." We got to push the fuck out of the song. We're probably going to shoot a music video. You know what I'm saying? We're probably going to get some opening dates, but I don't know in what capacity. The but only it, question really is: Do I have to quit my job? No, I'll quit my job. Nobody, <laughs> nobody. That's the good news. The good news is that um, nobody, quit. nobody would really have to quit their jobs. I'll, I think that I'll quit my job. So we're clear. <laughs> Just, my just boss will probably hit is
0: i quit my job dog
1: and I told you
0: I'll learn to play I'll play a xylophone I'll play I'll play a try I'll do auxiliary percussion I'll, I'll just like double double the symbol hits we'll see that that's honestly that oh, okay, was well, that was uh,
1: that was kind of like the capacity in which I was gonna approach you anyway I hate to put you in this put it in that category but almost like a you know um a, a Jerome Benton type without the ass kissing, more of like a, an an alternate me because there's so many there's so many alternate musicians uh, alternate instruments in my music that doesn't get played because we don't have enough musicians in the can. band. I will learn whatever. Right.
0: I'll learn piano. Yeah. I'll learn. I know the notes. Yeah. I could play chops. No, I can't play chopstick <laughs> I can play some basic warm ups. But right. well, you know, I whatever you know right, but I
1: mean it's like it's like stuff like I know you hate this song and I think and it's, you could I think it's perfect serendipity <laughs> that I'm coming back around to this song you gotta that play you stereo but there's there's <laughs> but there's you know that you got the intro where, where and in my mind that, that, always, that, 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 I had always I had always envisioned like you know marching band snare oh ba- you, know ba- 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 you know I got ba- this you know I got this you know what I'm saying like and
0: actually, I'll show you. I got my pads in my. I got my pad set up already in my room. Yo, yeah, I got, whatever. So I know, I know that's right up your alley, you know. So we and can then, do some then shit like that. Well time, you'll have to give me guitar lessons, you rotten piece of shit. Yes, because <laughs> you always say you'll teach me to play guitar. Well, then <laughs> we will, I won't have a
1: choice because we'll be on a tour bus together. i be like, now, right? Well yeah, you know
0: it. Yeah, <laughs> look, you learn a guitar because you know that's how it starts. Who, who was it? Um, who was it? I'm trying to think. Which band was it? Oh, it was corn. Drummer, drummer got sick. Yeah, and the tech was like, "Fuck, I don't show, yeah, right?" Yeah, yeah and that's, and that's the, it. Oh my god, that's, that's such the. That's such the beat. I, I, I know the yo. It
1: goes back to what we were saying about no ID. Surround yourself with people who know shit that you yeah. don't. Yeah. Now that cat was a tech, but he knew the show so well that he could sit in. I want, I want to surround myself with everybody like that people who are versatile i like, can like yeah man i know that i've been holding this spotlight on your ass but if you need a guitar solo i got you, you <sighs> do know? you do,
0: were you ever did you i don't think you were there i'll never forget um under my skin yes john was sick john nardi john nardi what's who, up john whom I, I i talked to a couple weeks ago um Man, I, I love that dude so much Yeah, he's a um, good guy man. Such a good One guy. of the best people I've ever met me in my too. life Probably Just great. single-handedly one of the best yeah. people ever He's
1: truly a genuine, sweet human being, man Yes yeah. and and He, with the, he genuinely loves music It's all about the music game. Uncanny
0: memory, too <laughs> Such an <laughs> uncanny memory But he, I think he was sick Or he might even have left the band But they needed a bass player And, they, and Tony called me And I was like, when's well, the show? He's like, in a week I'm like, how many songs are you playing? He's like, six or seven. I'm like, fuck. I have to tape the music to the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And I learned to play like six songs in like a week. It was ugly. It was ugly, but it worked. You know, and you know, if you remember, those songs were so bass heavy too. I was like, yo, it ain't going to be fancy. It ain't going to be fancy. It's going to be very corn like. Yeah. <laughs> see that's the that's More the beauty.
1: Like... That's one of the that's one of the things that I loved about ODM Nation, man. You know, um, um, she who will not be named was so um, focused, and she was so um, she was such a um, caring musician. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I, I most cherish about. Um, that relationship she genuinely wanted to evolve. Yeah as a musician and when I first met her she was um, On acoustic and saxophone and she transitioned into bass, Yeah, like and like it was nothing and um, She became this really dynamic performer and um, but it was it was never like this super technical stuff, but dudes were just fucking like, they were just at the stage like, they weren't even giving a fuck about me yeah. I, I'm looking at these motherfuckers, they're all looking at her, you know oh, what I'm saying yeah. because she's a very, she became this very dynamic, prolific performer and she wasn't like, no Jocko no, she, she wasn't all up and down the but base no but one, it was the intensity behind very the very few people
0: can, can you know, connect to that, yeah. you know, it's,
1: yeah. it's 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 interesting because
0: like like now I, li- I watch musicians a lot especially on youtube and yeah. listen to a lot of different stuff and it's like some stuff i'm like okay i get it like even if it looks in, you know the person looks impressed i saw this i was watching this video today a guy was playing like a 24 string guitar or something it, it was yeah. like you know like, the neck was ridiculous. huge and then it came down to like so it was almost like a triangle and he was like some parts playing it like a piano and then he'd start playing and he was kind of I think it almost like was like a demo video for the guitar, right? right? right. But like he was never playing anything extreme because one you can't with all them strings, right? But it was you know it was very simple, and it, I was just like, but it's good, you yeah. know, because he, he sets a beat. It's it's got it's got some heart to it, yeah. And like that's like a lot of music I listen to now. It's not not super. Um, Technical. You
1: know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because you know, you know who I'm really enamored with, and they've been around for a very, very long time. But I am I am so drawn into this band, and I've gone back and I've listened to I've i really I'm really drawn to their newer stuff, their their last like four or five albums. But Ooh. Spoon. I've never listened to Spoon. Spoon Get to i think in in very many cases they get like they get a bad rap because they have a pop sensibility yeah that um turns off a lot of rock purists and yeah. stuff like that but i think that they have i think that they have something that a lot of bands don't have and that is soul yeah some white dudes from texas making this Poppy rock music with soul, mm-hmm. and when you, li- I, dude, I'm just gonna, I, I, I don't know if you're gonna get in trouble for playing this. You might have to like, we we'll have to mute it. You'll have to <laughs> mute it. <laughs> we we'll have to but mute I just, it. I just wanna, yeah. I just wanna play this for you, just for a second. Yeah. Just that, just that, okay. that. I mean, I, I'll, I, I, those dudes are so funky and so soulful yeah and i've just i've just been like listening to their music and sort of internalizing it and in very many ways they they have already climbed the mountains that i've yet to climb because yeah. i'm a fusionist if that's a word oh for sure i'm a fusionist i like taking elements of jazz i like taking elements of blues i take like taking I, there's there's a rock undertone to everything I do yes but I like taking pop and jazz and, and hip hop and all of these other genres and fusing them together and creating this new thing all of my favorite artists did it for sure all of my favorite artists did it for sure it, you know and I think Spoon even though they're you know they stay they stay popular you know they were just in town you know with Beck and all that shit yeah, yeah. but they're not it's just like you said I, I've never listened to them they're that kind of band. Yeah. It's like they're almost like the they're under, very underground.
0: They're the pickle. I know of bands. You know, uh, it's an acquired taste. One person who I, I don't know if he used to listen to Spoon, but like like bands like that make me think of Mike Wuchter. Yeah, right. Mike Wuchter turned me on to Phantomist. Yeah, he turned me on to Mr. Bungle. Like bands I never heard of right bands you never hear on radio yeah you know uh mr bungle just announced right they just announced they're doing three shows big ups to mike Walker, by the way oh big ups to mike Walker. um it, 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 uh just op- opened me up to so much music and you know the years we worked together but like you know like mr bungle announces they're doing three shows people are losing their minds when have you ever seen mr bungle anywhere yeah <laughs> like,
1: you seriously, know, man, like
0: yeah. They don't get played on the radio. Yeah. They're not on MTV. You know what I'm saying? But like, people are like, oh my God. Lose their fucking mind crazy. over yeah, And I there's know. so yeah. many bands like that, though. I always think of Clutch like that. Clutch right? is another band. Everybody ass. listens ass. to Clutch. Everybody knows Clutch. And I'm like,
1: who the fuck is that?
0: <laughs> now see, I,
1: I, that? I gotta say, I gotta say, Dion. it's, I, I don't want to curse myself, but if I could, if I could choose between the Take Kurt eye. Cobain route the or the Chris eye. Cornell route, where you get so rich and famous that you lose sight of everything, of everything, everything, and just staying right below that radar where like you know you have this huge following you're able to have a career and make a living as a musician and as a songwriter but at the same time not everyone knows who the fuck you are I think I would choose the latter man you know Oh absolutely I'm sorry it's okay I'm just making sure you got power yeah you know things get weird okay we're good yeah <laughs> But yeah no I think that there's a there's something to be said for that you know man that that underground vibe Define. that that keeps you that keep you, but you know you you never you never quite make something that's so successful that the media the e channel starts talking right. about you and shit like that. I want to avoid that shit.
0: And there's so know? many people, especially like when I think of that too. I especially think of hip hop. Yeah, because most of the hip hop I listen to is in that realm. Yeah. You know, like, just the stuff that, like... You know, and there was always thing with my students, you know? I'm like, what are you guys listening to? You know, I always like to know what they're listening to. I try to engage when I can. Obviously, like, when I was teaching Chief Keith was, like, the end-all, be-all. And I'm like, well, what are you guys, listening? you know, and they're naming these names. I'm like, no, no, no. Sage Francis, yeah. right? I'm, you know, naming, yeah. like, this good old... This good hip-hop that's, that's tasty, but it's not... It's not gonna get played. Yeah. It's not gonna be, you know, and they're like... You know, yeah. but then they'll listen when they you can get them listen to it. Then they're like, "Oh, is that that's just good." Like, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> well,
1: here is the thing: kids. How do I put this? I, I, I mean this with all due respect to the current generation. Kids nowadays don't understand, truly understand what it means to be cool. They think they do.
0: Well, they—it's what they're told is cool. Yeah. yeah, and
1: I and I think I think that um, with that being said, there's there's a tribalism to being young nowadays. Oh, there's, a, there's a there's a a conformity. Oh, for sure. And the irony is is that they're they're fucking dick deep in conformity, but they think they're so unique. Yeah. You know and what a lot of the popularity of these current, if if, if we're gonna call them hip hop artists, okay, I don't consider mumble jargon. Yeah, anymore, yeah, yeah. But a lot of the popularity of these artists comes from, well, Becky thinks is cool, so it must be cool. Must be cool. Yeah. There's no there's no sense of like, I want I want to discover music for myself and find something cool myself what i think is cool i think that's what that was one of the coolest things about folk music back in the day and jazz music back in the day and punk back in the day it seems it seems it seems like they were doing the same things it seems like they were being tribal and but but in reality what they really were doing was they were seeking out something cool and something unique and something different from the norm whereas what these kids think is something unique and, and different from the norm because of the social media climate in which we live, none of this shit is unique. Yeah. None of it. It's yeah. Everybody sounds the same. Every little somebody sounds like <laughs> the other little somebody. Yeah. All, have you really listened to oh, this shit? All of the hip-hop producers use all the same hi-hats, all the same kicks, all the same claps, all the same oh, keyboard yeah. sounds... Nothing sounds different.
0: No, what gets me <clears throat> is I, I have two alarm clocks because I'm a exceptionally deep sleeper. One of them is NPR, the other is one oh seven point five. Word. And it comes on and like sometimes I can't tell it's a song. Yeah. Cause it's like a lot of beeps. Yeah. It, it's there's yep. it, you know, and, and and you got, you know, the the dude who's rapping mm-hmm. Or, or not rapping, whatever the case may be. <laughs> There's no melody. It no, it's just There's weird. no harmony. And I'm like, and I immediately jump up. Because I'm like, fuck, I got to turn that off. Yeah. Right? And that's <laughs> what like, I got to turn that shit off. <laughs> and I hate to say it like that. You know, and I I tell myself, especially right now. Like, I'm I'm at this point where I try to say I'm not going to hate on someone else's success.
1: Yeah.
0: And I try really hard not to i just right i won't indulge i can't indulge in it you know i can't listen to you know lil yachty i just can't listen to it it does not appeal to me if I'm they not have hating Lula's on them. Their names i can't i'm, I'm not to hating on shit. them uh just the other day um old town road came on and i was like i kind of like it he's doing something different he's talking about horses right and, you know you listen to it, his, his rhymes. His rhyme scheme—he's got some cleverness to it. I'm like, but it's di- to me, it's different than everybody else, and that to me, I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I can take yeah. this, right? Yeah. No other rapper, nobody else in that near him is going to have uh, Billy Ray Cyrus on a song. Half of them don't know who Billy Ray Cyrus is, right? right? right. <laughs> they would right. never imagine. And this yeah. kid was like, you know what? That's you <laughs> know that's out.
1: another that's another reoccurring motif. There's a uh, there's a um, they, they they are in in no way shape or form touched by enlightenment. They don't they don't care to know things. I met a group of kids, you know, I was I was driving Lyft, and I met a group of kids that had no idea that Dave Grohl was the drummer for Nirvana. Oh, yeah. They don't care to know stuff. Anyway. You know? Yeah. yeah and it, yeah. it's just it's all about I don't know I, I I feel like I'm ragging on there are pros and cons to every generation I just think musically um we've turned into um it, the last time computers uh, let the last time a computer truly had soul Prince was behind the computer mm-hmm. I'm sorry I just I, I it it's it is it is objective truth and and Questlove would back me up on this. That Prince gave a drum machine soul, mm-hmm. and that was the last time a drum machine had soul. I'm sorry. Yeah. Every time I hear drums now on a track, it's just it's just beep boop, bap boop, beep boop, bap yeah. boop. I am a computer. I will quantize your music. It, for yeah, you. music is not
0: supposed to be perfect. It's not. It's, it's not. not. Well, you know what my biggest issue, and this is one well, is I find it. Uh, this is some of the things I love, right? One of my favorite recordings of Frank Sinatra is uh, "Luck Be a Lady."
1: Luck be a lady, and he
0: coughs.
1: Yeah,
0: towards the end. you've heard this recording. Yes, and he coughs. Right, he's like, <clears throat> and then he starts to sing. Yeah, and it's in, it's there. Yeah, that's always gonna be there, right? Yeah. Um, just now, like so, uh, in in the drum corps world, there was a group this year that did a Beatles Beatles show. Got me listening to a bunch of Beatles music. You know, I love uh, Genius now, genius.com, because uh-huh. you can go and, you know, read the the bios of songs. You know, where is it, the history of this song, whatever. And one of the interesting things, you listen to Blackbird, right? You can hear Paul McCartney's tapping his foot, right? Yeah. And that's a part of it, and that's what most people realize. You can hear his foot tapping. That is something
1: about that that makes it unique. Well, w- what that something is, is that it draws you into the moment into the moment there's nothing about computer music that draws you into the moment because it's fucking it's it's a composite of noises constructed in wave file form in a fucking computer yeah. you can't you can't put yourself in that moment because as a human being you so can't con- you can't conceptualize how a computer constructs music you yeah. can't, and that's how that's how most music is being even a lot of this even a lot of the organic bands they won't take their drummers d- dude I can't tell you how many engineers I know can't mix a live drum set yeah they go straight to sound replacement they will replace the snare they will replace the toms they will it's like what the f- Fuck world, bizarro world Am yeah. I living in Where you have A live drummer here Learn how to Fucking mic A drum kit. Why are you What is the point Of having a drummer That's here old bro. You, exactly. <laughs> That's old fashioned Exactly That's old fashioned We don't do that no more We don't, don't do that We sound replace Because sound replacing Is perfect And I'm sorry It's not supposed to be perfect It's not supposed it to be perfect It takes perfect. all of the coolness Again Going back to my original point People don't understand What the fuck it means To be cool anymore yeah. it's cool to hear a foot tap a cough it's cool to hear like a, like one of the coolest moments of my life was when a friend of mine pulled he had um, he had uh, the stem tracks of a Michael Jackson song
0: oh yeah and he,
1: he stripped out all the music yeah. and you could hear all the little mouth noises and yeah. all, the, all the little shit that Michael Jackson was saying on yeah Yeah. And that shit blew my fucking mind because it, it humanized, because, yeah. you know, you think of this dude as like this, this fucking pop God who could do anything on stage. And then all of a sudden you hear him and he's, you know, you know, yeah you, you think of him in a capacity other than what the media put out yeah. about him, you know,
0: you know, it's interesting because it, 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 it took, it, you remember, the, well, you know, the bad nine point. Yeah. yeah. It took me Open up for Yes, it took me a long time. And, and I was listening I remember listening to them one day and it's kind of hit me cuz when I used to record vocals, I would always cut the breath. Right? Yeah. yeah. And when you're singing metal, it's hard to you can't breathe off. It's right.
1: boom, right? Cuz yeah, you gotta get that air. Right. Yeah.
0: And I used to cut that and then I was listening on point one one time, one day um, I don't remember, oh I knew it was a uh, lights camera action.
1: Mm-hmm. <gasps> light up the room with a little more light. <gasps> I did a lot and he, every yeah. time
0: he breathes you hear it. Yeah. And I remember listening to listening to it and I'm like that's cool fuck yeah. That's cool. I get it. Don't hide that. Don't hide the, the you know the, the the string you know when you're moving on the strings you get that squeak. Don't hide that. That's, that's real. That's organic. That's what happens. And that's what makes these musical moments real. Yeah. And the other thing... And it took me so long to realize that. The,
1: the other thing that I'm starting to realize is that um, it's like taking a shotgun to your foot as an artist. Yeah. Because the, the more perfect you make your music yeah. on a record the more you have to live up to that live. And people are that's why these mm. YouTube that's why there are all these mm. YouTube videos surfacing of people. Yeah. They're they're stripping out the music. Yeah. And they're just showing you these people for who they are, like the Britney Spears and all that oh, stuff. And yeah. now all of a sudden you realize, oh they suck. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're not they're, not they're not, <laughs> they're not they're not great. They're not great. Yeah. They're not great. They're not great. You know, they're not as great as you Auto-tune know, tune top then 20 fucked a lot of people out. earning artists of all fucking time. Great. Yeah, you they're know? Not And that's... Unfortunately, that's... You know... Um, yeah. That's where we are. It's unfortunate.
0: You know, to, to kind of conclude... One of the... One of my favorite moments. And I don't know if this was... I always thought it was... And it's funny because it's one of those things I've... I actually looked up and I couldn't find a... A, 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 a definitive answer to is... Hendrix is recording a fire mm-hmm. at the very end right as you are fading out the bass player boom 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 and there's a point where he cuts boom boom doo, 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 doo. and he goes back and, sees, right. and I'm like that's a mistake right. I know I'm a right yeah. <laughs> here he, yeah. he was, hides a kite and I love it's right when they are fading out yeah and it's at the tail end of the song, but I love hearing that. Yeah. And I'll listen to that song like 30 times, yeah. play it to the very end because I want to hear that fuck up. Because yeah. it's oh great. God. It, it oh doesn't my God. destroy the song. Yeah. And they kept it, right? Dude, I'm so that, with you on that. That cuts it. That, that brings Let's
1: up two things that I want to talk about. The first thing is a song on the, uh, the album, the EP Underground, Too Late. Yeah. Um, it's songs like that that inspired me to have these really long fade outs and a song too late we do this groove do 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 and i have this and i told i told joey when we're tracking the song i told joey okay exactly what i had in my head i was like i'm going to fade out on this And I want you to do these grooves. And I laid out the groove for him. But I said, once you get to the end, I want you to start losing your fucking shit, like almost hitting so many notes that you almost lose the beat. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna fade out right on it. And it worked because every time somebody brings up that song and they talk about that album, they go, every time I hear that song, I want to hear where Joey's going with it. Yeah. I want to hear what he's doing with it." it. The other thing that I want to bring up is, I never really told you this before, and I figured this is the perfect forum to do it. There is a song that was initially inspired by you huh. on the Dither Age, and it's the song "Slogan Man."
0: I know that song very well. Yes, love that and song. And
1: the the initial idea, the the riff. Was, is old the, the riff goes way back to the Bow Boys days and it it reminds me of something that I wanted to say about the songwriting process which is I will write a riff I have a I have a catalog of riffs I will write a riff and sit on it Absolutely. until I find the right melody the right harmony and come back to it when I started constructing Slogan Man I remember um, I remember the feeling of fear the first time you were the first friend that I had ever had. Actually, the only friend that I had ever had that had been in the military, mm-hmm. and I had these feelings of fear. I was like, I was genuinely worried about you, <laughs> and I didn't know how to process that yeah. because I had never had anybody. I could, I couldn't even relate to the family members of soldiers and stuff. Like, it was something it was out of my purview yeah i couldn't really and then all of a sudden i found myself feeling these feelings like man if something happened to this cat i'm gonna be devastated because he's such a good dude he's such a good person he's such a good friend and i could never bring myself to say it to you yeah like face to face like man I was worried about you. I'm so fucking glad you're out of that fucking shit. Don't go back. Run. Run. Don't ever go back. You know. Thank you. And that was the, that was, it led me down the rabbit hole of what some men and women who come back, who aren't as lucky as you, who can't handle the reintegration into life. And, after that, after, like, literally having guns fly over their head and being in death-related situations, um, it led me down that rabbit hole, and it it inspired me to, and the first song, the first words of the song are, I will fight for you, I will die for you, I, I really meant that shit, because for me, that's what you... You were the physical embodiment of that for me. And I'm trying not to get emotional right now because that really meant a lot to me. That somebody that I knew personally was willing to put their life on the line so that I could bitch about a latte at a fucking Starbucks. That shit meant... And I tried to put my heart and soul into that song so when i'm screaming at the end i meant that shit and it's good i meant that shit from the bottom of my heart I and i just wanted to like i wanted to say because i never really shared that with you before because i never really knew how insulting or like Motherfucker, get out of my face with that shit. i didn't know how you would react to that no. you know um but it, it really meant a lot to me that that you were that for me that, that was another experience in a long line of experiences that helped me through my journey as a musician and as a songwriter so thank you thank and it's you. also one of the reasons why I was so grateful to have you on the album you thank
0: know? you I appreciate that Yeah. and it's a great song thank you um, one of my favorites for sure for yeah. sure um, you know what? Uh, I know we want to get to some other some other things. I definitely want to get to. It just means we have to do another one. Right, we, we have to do another. God yeah. know it's, that. it's getting late. It's actually past midnight. Right, and I
1: got I got to pick up my brother.
0: Anyway. <laughs> oh no, I understand, yeah. brother. Um, thank you so much. No problem. Oh, ooh, so I'm I'm putting you on the spot right now though. Right, we're gonna we're gonna do some. Street corner hustling. Right. We, we got we're this. We're gonna chop it up. We got this. Right? We,
1: gotta, we gotta go get the street performance licenses. We, we do it. Right. How, how much are they? $100? I think that no, no. Um I think they're they're cheap as fuck. Oh, like really? twenty five dollars, oh, fifty dollars. We can start
0: next week. I don't care. Yeah. But we're gonna yeah. do that. We're gonna chop that up. We're gonna do it. I've actually been singing again, so it's not it's not it's not Lance Air's right. good. I was gonna ask you, but, how's your
1: vocal cords doing?
0: Oh yeah, um they're I don't think they'll ever, be, you know. It's really funny. I actually have a friend who goes to a throat doctor, and maybe three weeks ago, cause she's a, a classical vocalist, right? And I think it was probably about three, four weeks ago. I was like, "Hey, who's that doctor you go to?" So I'm thinking. I don't know if it's gonna be covered by my insurance, but I'm gonna. I, I'm going to go to a. I want to go to a throat doctor, yeah, and see what damage was done to my vocal cords. Um, the, so just just. A, uh, when I first started Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, long story short, a dude damaged <laughs> damaged my vocal cords by choking me with his forearm. What the fuck? Oh, that's well, yeah.
1: I don't know if I ever told you that's how it happened. No, no. I did not know that. The guy, got, I thought it was from screaming. No, I'm no.
0: no, no. I used to warm up. I used to do vocal exercises. Wow. I protected my voice very well. Um, a guy, we were introduced. It was like my first advanced class. Yeah. I remember I was still a white belt. We were doing, back then, one of the professors, he would, we would start in a choke. Yeah. And it was like, how long can you stay calm? How long can you last, right? You're in the choke. It's a matter of time, right? Unless you're really, really good. Um, and, and we started. I was getting out. This guy got uber excited because white belts do. And he threw his forearm across my throat and just started pulling. And literally, and I was student teaching at the time. So... The only time I've ever walked out of class Was that day And Went home Couldn't talk Couldn't talk for the next week And then I remember probably like day 5, day 6 I said if I can't talk tomorrow I'm going to the hospital Because I literally was like I couldn't talk like louder than this So Maybe day 6 I could like talk like this Couple days later, I could talk like this. It took probably two years, maybe three years, till I could actually sing a note. Because for those for the three years following that, my vocal cords wouldn't even vibrate enough to sing, so I couldn't sing. I. Could not sing at all
1: I I wish Because I would have I would have found this dude And I would have murdered He got (laughs) kicked
0: out of the school um, For injuring someone else You know Multiple partners I believe Um, But yeah So there was a couple years Like now I can actually sing My voice is not Yeah What it was My range is different yeah, you know. Um, and imagine if like how you sing now, yeah. and then like you couldn't sing, and then how you can sing is just totally you know it's your, kind of your like vocal range very shrinks. different. Uh, yeah. But I was actually talking to Phil the other day, and I was saying like I can actually scream now, which I I, oh, I, I couldn't for a year. Yeah. So it, it's gotten better. Um, I don't know what's repairable or what. Yeah. Um, so I actually want to go to a throat doctor and see what damage was actually done. Yeah, yeah, you're so. for sure
1: gonna have to do that. The fact that you can talk is a good sign. The fact that you can sing is an even better sign. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna gather that you don't have it doesn't sound like you have nodules. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I mean
1: But yeah, you know.
0: But it, yeah, so I actually can sing now. Um I mean I've been able to sing for a couple years now. But yeah. like, you know, now I can actually sing. Yeah. Like it's actually kinda cool. Like I can sing yeah. again, you know. Yeah. Um I can scream again. Um so that's actually kinda fun. And so, uh, yeah, so we're going to get a street we're corner. We're going to do it. I have, you know what? On my phone, I have a list. I already got a list of songs.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you already worked it out.
0: I <laughs> got a playlist called street corner shit. <laughs> <laughs> like, I already... You, you, you it, bruh. That's it. Uh, okay. You know what? Because I just started... Uh, I joined a marching man this summer. Mm-hmm. So I played trumpet this summer mm-hmm. for the first time in probably 10 years. Mm-hmm. Just broke out my saxophone. So actually, in two, three weeks... I'm supposed to start uh win or wind orchestra rehearsals on yeah. saxophone. Uh-huh. So like I've just so I've gotten back into doing music at all. Yeah. After like many years of not doing music. Well, so now I'm like eager. I'm like, oh he's let's in. Let's do it. Let's do it. That's it, he's
1: stuck. <laughs> we you
0: know, and I'll be like, yo, I got another idea. That's just some most shit. So but is
1: yes. there is there like a closeout that we should do? No. Um, cause we're gonna
0: pick up, we we'll, we'll pick it back up next time for sure. Anything you want to say? Anything else?
1: Uh, so, the band is the Circle View. The Circle View. Um, we we have music. Um, we have four studio albums or three studio albums and one EP, all available on, on Spotify, app, iTunes, Apple Music, CD Baby. Um, the latest of which is called The Love Rebellion in reverse. The latest album is The Love Rebellion. The one before that, 2009, is The Dither Age. The one before that was an EP called Underground, and the one before that was an album called The Greater Good. They're all available online, you can catch up with them. We're going to be releasing a new song probably sometime in the new year called The um, Loving You is Hard, mm-hmm. and it's funky as fuck, and it's, it's good. soulful. It's uh, it's a good rock tune, um, and uh, I think you guys are going to dig it, and uh, we'll probably be releasing an album and going on tour right after that.
0: All right. So, be on the lookout. I'm going to put links to, to the existing stuff, so you guys can check it out, um, and yeah, so that's yeah, it. this is part one, part, part two coming one. soon. Absolutely, brother. Thank you so much, um, and we'll, we'll, we'll do it again soon. All right. All right, and... All right. And so that was my conversation with uh Chicago musician, soon to be Chicago legend, uh Lance Ayers. Um, you know, it, it was great chatting with him. Um, I've I've had the the pleasure to see his musical evolution through some of the bands. Um when we became acquainted, he was uh in ODM. We were working together at Guitar Center in Burbank, Illinois, and um Yeah, you know, just have been friends ever since. Uh, I've I've had the opportunity to record with him. I've had the opportunity to perform with him. Um, And yeah, so I had a great time chatting with him. So as always, um, please listen, share, send this to one person, send this to somebody who's a music fan, Uh, send this to somebody who likes, you know. Uh, rock music send this to somebody who you know you know and oh man i need something to listen to what should i listen to send this episode to them tell them to check out uh the circle view uh they're a great band i can't wait for the new album i heard the new single um and it's it's powerful and it's it's fun and i really enjoyed it i can't wait to see it perform live that's where i really enjoy music and love seeing it shine so uh, do that please um also please uh, check me out on social media. Uh, you can uh, hit me up on Facebook. You can hit me up on Twitter. You can hit me up on Instagram. You can hit me up on Snapchat. All of that is down in the episode notes. So I got, I last episode, I, I mentioned there was an issue with Stitcher. Uh, the Stitcher dude helped me fix, his name was Will. The Stitcher dude helped me fix it. So the problem's fixed. It wasn't happening to everyone, but it was happening to me. He was like, oh, here's what you do. And I, it fixed it in a hot second. So shout out to customer service over at Stitcher. They're doing their job well. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I'm not featuring any Circle View music on this episode because I want you to go and get it. Go get it. Um support local music support musicians you like you know the last 10 cds i've purchased i have never opened uh, but i bought them because they were musicians i wanted to support that includes uh mushroom head which is a, a fan a band i'm a fan of and and you know others so uh if you like the circle view go to cd baby and pick up a cd you know that 10 bucks will help support the band will help them when they embark on their tour help them make more music you know Get strings, whatever the case may be. Um, if you're a cheap bastard and, and, or, or, you know, or, you know, it's like $10 is that, you know, man, I, you know, you need that $10. I get it, but go and listen to them on Spotify. You can check them out on Apple Music, but, you know, go over there. Um, you know, pop a comment on their uh, Twitter, pop a comment on their Instagram, pop a comment on their Facebook. Let them know you heard about them here. Um, at the off the beaten podcast and you know you're digging the music you know and you'll you'll come see them live or you know Join the mailing list or tell them, you know, Hey, I, I want to throw you 10 bucks for a CD. Uh, I'm going over to CD baby, you know, do that. Cause do good stuff, man. Support good people doing good stuff. And I love this band. I've met, you know, pretty much every member of every iteration of this band. And Lance is an amazing songwriter. He surrounds himself with amazing musicians and I'm always proud and happy to support them. Um, other than that, uh, you know, r- do me a favor, please. If you're listening to this, if you enjoy this rate, and more importantly than the rating, the rating is easy, right? You, you, you just click a star, um, and that's it. But please drop a review, um, opinions, uh, you know, what you liked about the episode, what you didn't like about the episode. I do ap- apologize. So this was recorded back before I was monitoring the sound. So when Lance is, is, is drumming, uh, I know that you can hear that. So like it's coming through the microphone. I do apologize. Um, I'm learning. And so like, now with my newer interviews, um, that'll be released over the next couple of weeks. I'm telling me, don't hit the table. And I, you know, and, and just tell them to be cognizant. Don't hit the table. And, and, uh, hopefully I'm, I'm, I'm reaching out to friends to get a little bit better equipment, to get a little bit of a better setup so that, you know, that won't be an issue. Um, but until then, um, cause that stuff ain't cheap and I don't have a lot of money. I ain't gonna lie to you, but until then, uh, you know, just bear with me and I do apologize if you'd like to uh, break a couple dollars off to help me buy some newer equipment, including boom arms for the microphone to so buy some new microphones. I need a uh, audio, not an audio processor. I need a, a mixer to pull in all the audio into to go into the computer, just some equipment to make. Uh, things easier and to make the sound quality better if you want to break off 20 bucks uh just send me an email um i don't have a patreon but i could very easily start a patreon and i would be happy to do that if you want to support um off the beaten podcast um moving up and over the rainbow um, so yes please rate review comment subscribe uh, check us out on social media, and I'll put links for all some of the stuff that we talked about. Um, and you know, Google arrest. So that is it. That's all I got. This was recorded on a Blue Yeti. Um, thank you, Blue. You can you can send me um, another Blue Yeti. Actually, no, don't send me another Blue Yeti. <laughs> send me send me something with four XLR inputs, uh, phantom power, and uh, three boom arms, and we'll call it a day. And so you know. That's it. That's all I got, though, for real. Uh, thank you guys so much. Uh, this is episode number five, and people have been so supportive. Um, I don't think that we're going to be moving over to Spotify because of how long these episodes are. I believe Spotify has a time limit, and I think we exceed it. Um, and I know uh, the, these conversations, they're, they they are they are sizable conversations, but, you know, they flow, and we're just talking, and we're laughing, and, you know, just... Very true to what I wanted when I started this podcast was I just want to capture some of these conversations and these people that I have the pleasure of meeting and talking with and these magical moments. And, you know, and before you know it, we look up and I'm like, dude, it's been two hours, you know, and then, you know, obviously something comes up and now it's, you know, two and a half. But, you know, so. I appreciate you for listening and appreciate appreciate you for investing your time because I know in today's world, time is definitely the biggest investment we can make in any other person. So, you know, the people who are investing their time in me, I appreciate you greatly. I can't thank you enough. And um, please send me an email. Hit me up on social media. Let me know what you're listening to. You can check me out on Podbean. Um, and, you know, I just want to be able to, to say thank you. Um, because I do appreciate every single last one of you, including my one listener in Vermont. <laughs> I appreciate you because you're you're a lone wolf in the woods. And so that is it. This has been Off the Beaten Podcast, fresh out of Woodlawn in Chicago, Illinois. And I will see you next week. Um, thank you, and have a great day. Be good, do good.